someone's going to get offended. It's just the way the world works. So to hopefully save everyone a little time and or energy, here's this. The opinions that you hear are those of the host and callers and not those of iHeartMedia, its management, or advertisers. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Phillips File, broadcasting high atop the iHeartMedia complex on WTKS-FM HD1. Coco Beach, Orlando. Available anywhere you go on the iHeartRadio app. Download it now. Groundbreaking. Critically acclaimed. And now, the Phillips file. All right, here we go. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. Yeah, it is. It's the uh, Phillips File. This one for a Wednesday, April 25th. On these Wednesdays, we do away with the uh, normal intro because we want to get right into it. Today marks interview number eight on the Phillips File as we take a look at the we take the first 30 to 40 minutes of the show to uh, take a look at the uh, opioid crisis in Central Florida, try to concentrate on that for 30 or 40 minutes. Our guest today is Louis Delgado, known by some as the Dope Doctor. More on that a little bit later. Louis, welcome to the program. Let me just uh, read this, first of all, for people who are wondering uh, who Louis is. Uh, let me, because he wrote us, uh, you know, he knows we've been doing these interviews. <laughs> yeah. And he wanted us to know uh, a little bit more about him and for the audience to know a little bit more about him. So we'll start right from here. Uh, he is now the co-chair for the treatment committee of the Orange County Drug-Free Office with Carol Burkett, who we've talked to, of course. Mm-hmm. National speaker for the medication Vivitrol, is that what it's called? Correct. And uh, is in the business of helping people recover from opioid addiction. And But he writes, however, all of this would not be possible if I wasn't clean and sober. A brief description of my addiction and recovery is difficult, but here it is in a nutshell, writes Louis. <laughs> my addiction was... Not on opioids, but it was cocaine, alcohol, and pot. I'm a Mexican, Puerto Rican, American who was raised primarily on the border of El Paso and Juarez. That's Juarez, Mexico, of course. Started drinking at 9, smoking pot at 11, dealing pot at 11, trafficking pot by 12, daily use and trafficking of cocaine at 15, arrested for attempted murder at 17, and finally clean and sober at 19, had no desire to become the man I am right now. Welcome to the program. No, well, thank wow. Thank you. Thank you very much. You really packed a lot into a couple of years there, Louis. Well, I thought all I had was a few. So, so I try to use those few as best so I can. So you're growing up. Well, you're growing up in El Paso, and right. uh, you told me your father was uh, in the Army. Your mother is grew up in, a, in Juarez. Is that right? So you're making the easy back and forth Correct. over the border. Correct. So I come from a good family. So first of all, when it comes to addiction and recovery, um, a lot of people get the misconception that you come from a bad family or that there's a lot that's of bad right. like that's that what we learned. Well, I come from a very good family. I come from a very supportive family, a very loving family. But it was, it was, you know, my father was gone all the time. He went to two tours to Vietnam. I was born out of that era. Yeah. Um, you know, so he was always on some sort of mission. He's a lifer, to a, a command sergeant major, uh, retired. My mom was Department of Defense, and they had her going all over the place. And, and, you know, she wasn't prepared to have two sons. We were two boys. 
And in in the eighties, you remember the eighties? Uh, I you know, tried to. Uh, yes, <laughs> yeah. I do. Some <laughs> of it, yeah. <laughs> Some of it. Well, me too. It, well, in those eighties, you know, when I started using, I, I I was this little aggressive kid. I had a lot of issues with my brother. My brother became very volatile because my dad was gone all the time. Sure. Uh, you know, so he assumed that role of parent role, dad role, and in doing so, nobody taught him how to do it. So he was overly aggressive. And the way I dealt with his overaggression is that you know I felt like such a wimp and weak at home because of him, you know, doing what he did to me. That I went out into the streets and I and I found a way to be strong. Yeah, mm, you know, it was, it was very it was good to be a manly back then. It was you know it was very it was it was exactly. kicked in our head that we had to be this this macho guy. Sure. Uh, back then, so I went out in the streets and and I fought really well. I was really good at fighting. I was really good at uh, uh, having other people do things that I wanted them to do, and I was real good at flipping things into money. So I started you know first with stealing boxes of candy, selling candy in school, and so by nine years old or by eleven years old. Um, you know, this guy, I, it actually started kind of funny. So I, so, so here's the story. Now follow this. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm now in El Paso, Texas. You know, I'm a military brat. So we kind of moved all over Germany or whatever, but I, we landed back home, which is El Paso because Juarez is right there. And so I go knocking on this door, knock, knock, knock. It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, what do you call it? Halloween. And I'm dressed Mm -hmm. as a mummy. Right. Mm -hmm. So I go over the mummy with a friend of mine and this guy that opens the door, his name is Jaime. I'll never forget him because he was a hazel eyed, green eyed Mexican like us. We're hazel eyed. Right. And that's kind of unusual. And so I was like, wow. He looks just like us, and, and he had this great reputation for being a dropout and everything. And nobody dropped out in his early yeah. 80s. You don't wanna, if you were a dropout, you, you're really bad. <laughs> so, so go knock on his door, and he, instead of candy, he puts a joint in my, in my bag. And so for trick-or-treat? For trick-or-treat. I'm trick-or-treat. I'm 11 years old. And he gives me a joint, and I you know, look down on it. And, and so he sees my reaction. He says, come on in. I go in, and you know, he had that typical, hey, man, come on in. You know, he had that kind of voice. You know, and, and I spoke a little bit more like that, but I don't, really. So we went and sat down. And I'm sitting there across from him, me and my friend. It looked like one of those little uh, movies where you have two like innocent kids looking at sure. another guy. And so he's over there with his girlfriend or whatever she is, and and they're kind of you know doing things in front of us. And it looked pretty darn interesting to me. I'm I'm real intrigued at this point, but I'm looking at everything, and I'm looking at this table, and I see roaches, I see seeds, I see wares, I see bags, I see a lot of things I've never seen before. And I'm very curious. And he goes, "You want to try it?" And so obviously, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to say no. You know, he's a cool guy. Well, you're footloose oh. and fancy free. You have no supervision at home. You're just right. trying to make your mark in the world, even as a nine Correct. years old. Yeah. And uh, somewhere along the line, culturally, uh, because of uh, maybe a, a Mexican background right. and your father in the army, you're trying to you're trying to trying to be a man. I'm just trying to be a man. Okay. And and, and I'm trying to get acceptance from a guy that sure. I looked up to as a real man. Right. You know, so, and of course, my brother's not making me feel like one, but this guy did. Gotcha. You know, he's actually offering me to take part in something with him. So, of course, I did. So, that day is when I actually started smoking pot. And, and, and the weird thing is, the guy next to me didn't. The guy next to me actually left. He made that right decision. You know, and you don't want to, you get one of those moments. And I think that's why I remember it so well, is because it was an actual defining moment. I had a decision to make. Right. And I decided to stay and smoke. And my friend decided to leave. My friend became a, a, a firefighter in El Paso police, uh, Fire Department. Right. A really good guy to this day. And I, of course, went a different direction. And I got lucky enough to become who I am. So, you're getting high on pot. I mean, is this the right. individual said, hey, by the way you can make some money that doing day, this that night so he was essentially he became your boss yeah essentially because that, that night he already knew i was i was a uh, flipping candy and he already knew that i was stealing bikes with my friends so right. he says you think you can get rid of some of this and then he taught me how i can get it free he goes he, he gave me a nickel bag he fronted me and he goes for, you give me five dollars back and you keep one so you make six pinners he showed me how to roll six pinners so i got one free joint out of every nickel but i wanted the dollar 
So I started flipping. He showed me how to take the screen out of my house, sift it, you know, roll the joints. I did all that. But, you know, quickly, you know, by the way, it's really hard to sell a lot of marijuana when you're 11 years old to other 11-year-old kids. Nice. So my so 11-year-olds, that was a, so That's oops. not your audience. Yeah. Though, yeah. No. When you can prove, by the way, this is how I built my name. When you can prove you can sell pot to people who have never tried pot at 11 years old and a little bit older, all my middle school friends, um, that's what, you know, quickly it got really much higher up. And that's why I had to start going over the border because by 12 years old, I'm selling more than, than what he's able to really provide. So you're selling pot. Start off selling pot. And the, does he suggest or do you get in your own mind, hey, I can even make it even more money if uh, if I start moving into into cocaine? That was an accident. Um, it actually happened because I was going over the border because I started stockpiling marijuana over the border in Juarez because it, it was too much. You know, you'd have to buy in bulk to really make the money. And so you'd had to stash it in places that I, that people allowed me to stash it. And, right. and, and pot in bulk smells. Uh, it's not just a, like a little, even a little bag smells if you open it and you've got to close it right away. And now, now you got that yeah. smell all over the place. Well, you know. well when you put <laughs> bales of stuff, it, right. it's, it's really smelly. Stinky. So yeah. so I, I went into the wrong uh, situation one day, and people were doing it, cocaine. And right. again, just like with, I mean, it's like you want some, and it was like an easy yes, because these are people that I respected. These are people that I really liked. So it was an easy yes, let me try it. Did it hit you? I mean, some people, you know, they do cocaine. Okay, did cocaine, big deal. Other people, they do those first two lines or whatever, right. and man, it's that's 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 what they want. Let me tell you something. You'll notice me when I start. Right. If anytime I I mention the word cocaine, this right. is true. This is not. Uh, this is not. I'm making up. I'm making up a story. Every, I start rubbing my nose. Right. Yeah, you do. Because yeah. for just a couple of years, a few years, whatever. But right. that happens with me, and I'm just wondering whether it happened to you. You did those that first line, or how many you did? I was said, done. I love it. I was done. Yeah. That mo- that moment. I I. The, if I sold marijuana after that very moment, it was only because I was begged to connect somebody with a bale to, you know, some, right. some some heavy weight. Because from that moment on, I wasn't messing with marijuana anymore. I was doing it every day. So I'd move just enough to be able to have some personal, but I wouldn't move it anymore because it just changed the whole business aspect right there. When I found out how much money was in that drug in the 80s and how many people, you're talking about bikers would drive down from Colorado. They wanted it. You had people coming from California. They wanted it. They, everybody wanted to know a Mexican back then. You know, the Goombas in Vegas, they, they <laughs> love me. They all wanted a Mex. Everybody wanted a Mexican connection. Why? It, they, Just because? Because it was the 80s me. and everybody was doing cocaine for some reason. And, and, and listen, Jim, you remember, nobody even thought it was addictive. It was put yeah. out there, the big white lie, right? They were trying to convince us that it was actually addictive. Right. But it only seemed like respectable people, rich people, intelligent people, successful people. That's what it looked like was doing cocaine. Louis so, Delgado's our guest. He's also known right. as the dope doctor. He's He's... he's of the stories that he's telling you right now, he's no, he's divorced from all that, and we're going to get into, into that as right. well. Um, so you, you're dealing cocaine. I mean, I mean, are you making just bundles of money? Or are you? And then all of a sudden, I'm reading here you got arrested for what attempted murder at right. 17. Or what's what's going on with you? What I mean, yeah. you get so far involved with bad people. Let me, let me tell you something. It just it it it. Or, or never... did you become a big shot yourself and? Well, I, I always had to live that, that, that double life. So I had to be an innocent kid in order to not get caught. Look, at the whole time, I was still the kid that I needed to be for my family. Yeah. I was still going to school. Did your parents have any idea what was going on? Oh, God, on? no. If they did, they never told me. And even to this day, when I, when I went back and I, and I eventually came clean to them and I told them everything, yeah. they still kind of acted like they didn't know. Your brother, any idea? My brother would get hints every once in a while, and he would really hurt me really bad when he found out. 
Yeah, like every once in a while, like that guy Jaime ratted me out one time. My brother went in the Air Force and came back, and he found out that I, that I was moving heavy weight of cocaine. And when he when he found that out, he really destroyed me in front of a lot of people. And, and that almost became a really bad moment because I had a decision to make whether to allow people to hurt my brother. Uh, because he by by him becoming volatile in front of other people, it, it was making other people above me very nervous about what else he could do, and it, they didn't really like that it was affecting me. I was I was a, I had a lot of promise for them, I think. And and let me say one thing: as, as much as you know, you watch these movies and you think that that's the way it is, it really isn't. But at the moment, at that time in my life, I really believe that that's the way it was. I thought these people loved me. I thought these people were taking care of me. I thought these people were looking out for me. You were useful to them, though. I was very that useful was really to them. It. That was really it. Now, now, mind you, they let me do what I did and left at a very young age, and they let they let me go about my business, and and I didn't get hurt from them, and I didn't have to flip or I didn't have to do anything that I would wouldn't have wanted to do. Mm-hmm. However, I know that if I would have ever crossed a line in any way, or if ever would have violated any of the rules, that we had tons of rules. I mean, you think you're doing drugs because you don't like rules, right? I didn't like the rules the government had. Yeah. I didn't like the rules my parents had. I didn't like the rules the cops had or anything like that. But mind you, I, I, I did every rule that the street had because there was a lot of consequences in the street if you violated. Louis Delgado is our guest. He's also known as the dope doctor. doctor. He founded uh, Now Matters for uh, Now Matters More Foundation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that foundation helps families navigate the difficult business of treatment and scholarship treatment and all that kind of stuff to try to get off. You know, addiction to opioids and and whatever. I got a feeling Louis going to be with us maybe for the whole hour. Every Wednesday at this time, uh, every Wednesday, the Phillips file tries to devote 30, 40 minutes, maybe even more, to the opioid crisis that we have in Central Florida. We'll continue our conversation with Louis when we come back. It's the Phillips file on Real Radio 104.1. Phillips file for a Wednesday. You know, every uh, Wednesday, the Phillips file takes every uh, takes the first thirty to forty minutes, sometimes longer, to concentrate on the opioid crisis that we have well it's all it's nationwide we know that but we're trying to concentrate on the crisis here in uh, central florida this is interview number eight uh, louis delgado also known as the dope doctor is our guest he is uh, co-chair for the treatment committee of the orange county drug-free office along with carol burkett who's had on the program he's also uh, founded the now matters more foundation we'll get into that as uh, as the interview continues as well so you, you, you're dope man now. You're, you're <laughs> yeah. how old? Yeah. Uh, I started the dope man. 11. 11, 11 I started the dope man. 15. Down to yeah. El Paso, Juarez, right. back and forth and back and forth. Right. You're making probably uh, buku bucks. Yeah, that's usually the question that young people get, but I usually don't get into that part of it because, um, you know, you, 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 you Sounds too appealing. Right. Yeah. You just kind of spend what you make anyway. And to be honest with you, no matter what you make, I mean, you're, you're, you're like, you can't really spend it. I mean, when you're 15, this is the problem I had. At 15 years old, I, I really couldn't spend it. I couldn't really buy cars and everything like that. Yeah. I really couldn't buy anything. I had an apartment that I told my mom it was our party house, and I can somehow convinced her that it was okay to have uh, an apartment at 15 years old, even though I didn't live there, because she didn't like all my friends coming to the pool, uh, our pool. Uh-huh. So she would always be like, why are all these people here? Right. So so I just convinced her, well, that's why we, me and my friends went in on an apartment. And so I had an apartment, uh, and that's where I had, you know, my my fancy stuff. So you could stuff. afford a car. You just weren't old enough to drive the damn right, thing, right? Well, yeah. Well, I I have cars, just they weren't my mm-hmm. cars. And and I had a I had a, a motorcycle that I took off somebody because he owed me some money. So I had a motorcycle over there. And some yeah, I want to get in. I want to I want to get into how you got into. I mean, your life has changed drastically. Oh, it's drastic. done a one. It's, it's done a one eighty. But there was uh, it, there was that violent aspect right. as well. Have you, did you ever get in trouble with law enforcement? Do they ever nail you on anything? No, no. I, I'm one of those guys that it's really, um, 
I, I escaped a lot of injury. I mean, I look, man, I must have been meant to be what I am today and do what I do today because there's a lot of offenses that I could have been arrested for right. that I wasn't. And they would have been disqualifying offenses to be a certified addictions professional. Now, mind you, I've, I've been able to be in private practice and treat people for 20-something years. Right. I wouldn't have been able to do any of that and, and own treatment centers and help people if I would have ever had any of those arrests. A mark stick on your record. Yeah, correct. I mean, I got little things that they would kind of pick me up for. There was a, there was a there was a a big riot that got started because we were, you know it was a, it was a cultural thing. You know, back then it'd be you know it was us and the and the black guys against the white guys, and there was a big uh, fight that we had. And and uh, but I didn't get arrested for that. I got off. Um, and then, uh, of course the shooting that you kind of insinuated to now that, you know, that thing here, I am completely intoxicated, which usually happens. You get kind of get wrapped up. I was wrapped up in drugs. Mm. You know, let me, let me, let me, let me explain something. From morning till night? From morning till night. From morning till night, I was going to school completely intoxicated as an ADHD kind of kid yeah. that they wanted to put on Ritalin. Yeah. Marijuana was the first drug that I did and I could have swore it worked. If you would ask me at that age, I would have said it was working. The problem is it wasn't sustainable. The problem was is that it's up and down. Mm. That you don't know that when you're coming down, you're a moody person, right? Son and, of a gun, yes, right, indeed. right. Like, like it's yep. hard to sustain a certain headspace. And so when you start doing cocaine, you start drinking, and you start doing all these other things, and you start making money, and you start getting power, and you, your ego. I wasn't ready emotionally to deal with the power right. and the ego and the money. I wasn't ready to. There was no role model of how to deal with it other than be out about it. Right. And and there was so many rules. I couldn't wear I couldn't wear jewelry. I couldn't show anyone that I had money. I had to look completely broke. Right. I had all these right. rules placed upon me. But then the kids that would would sell for me, or the or the people that would that I would do business with, they were allowed to wear these. You know, it was the it was the eighties where people had big rope gold chains. <laughs> you know, like this one guy that worked for me he had a he had a big four by four Bronco with. I mean, it was just a cool truck. And here I am selling to him, and I and I had I'm in a rabbit. You know what I mean? In a VW. I'm in a VW rabbit. So you're using, you're selling. You're a dealer. Right. This starts at age nine right. by what? Seventeen. Let me just get this right. right. So some came along with yeah. Louis Delgado. Yeah. After well, all these years of being involved yeah. in using and selling, right. what happened? Well, the first you saw something. You saw the light, or a, or a I woman wish, got into your life that steered you in the right direction, yeah, or wish. what happened? Well, what first, happened to you? first at seventeen was you know I was in a bad situation. When you when you do drugs, you tend to think that you're inv- invincible. Correct. I thought I was invincible. I thought I could beat up everybody. And and mind you, I was a little guy. By the way, I I, I looked like twelve when I was like seventeen. Uh-huh. Just so you know, I was I was underdeveloped and short. I but I had this one thing that was happening with me that really made me very insecure. I had hair on my right side, but not on my left. Really? Yeah, I had these weird development issues that started happening. My doctor kept saying, "Are you using drugs? Are you using really? anything?" And he did find out because he took a lot of blood from me, and he would hint that he knew that I was using drugs. Yeah. But he didn't say anything to my parents. Um, and that was mistake number one. Dr. Sweeney never opened up his mouth, and he should have. Dr. Sweeney should have definitely said something to my family because he knew what was going on. But I had this development issue, this, this mm-hmm. puberty issue that started hitting hit me. Now, that really drives a guy nuts. When you're, when you're, you know, you're supposed to be this big, tough guy, right? But I look 12, and my puberty's all messed up. So now I'm getting more aggressive and more volatile. So at 17 years old, and I'm totally out of my mind and psychotic, um, we drove by this party uh, with some friends. And uh, they they flick us off. Now I didn't know that we had the high beams on. This is you know later on I find out we had the yeah, high beams on. Yeah, yeah. But we're just driving by and it's a party's letting out. So you just imagine like three hundred Mexican kids coming out of a party and we and we're driving right back and uh, they flick us off and it's like no nah, bro you don't know we you can't flick us off bro. Right. So let's flip this car around. So we did the bad mistake. Mistake Uh-oh. number one, flip the car around. Right. When we came back around, it happened to be baseball player kind of guys too. And so they opened up their trunks and pulled out these bats and started hitting the truck. Well, this is a brand new truck. I'm not the one driving. It's not my truck, but it's still a truck, and, and it's disrespectful, right? So the house was not too far away, so we just 
drove real quick through the through the crowd, got to the house. When we got to the house, my friend, uh, one of the friends, ended up getting a rifle. And so we started walking back to the party. It was four of us walking back to the party. Two of us showed up to the party. You know, it was four of us going to beat up 300 people. This is the mind of cocaine. <laughs> yeah. This is what drugs tell you you gotcha. can do. I'm going to go grab one of those bats from these guys. This is exactly what I thought, by the way. I'm going to go grab one of these bats. They're going to swing once. And I'm going to grab that bat, and then I'm going to kill everybody. Like in the movies. Yeah, yeah. I'm still... Th- that's the thing. In my mind, it's a movie. Right. You know, it doesn't even seem real. Because everything always works out for Louie. Everything always mm-hmm. plays out well for Louie. I didn't... I never felt a consequence. You're right. Um, so I, I, I go back to this party. Well, my friend Where starts... Where are the other two? Well, the other, one is across... He, he was across the street... You know, he stayed out of it. The other one went to the bathroom right before we left, apparently. And so he's trying to jump through fences, trying to get there. But he didn't get there until it was over. So me and the other guy, you know, you know, trying to fight. They surround us. Anyway, long story short, one of the guys pulls the rifle thinking it wasn't loaded. And when he pulls the rifle, it shoots one person. So now my friend starts firing off the weapon. It shoots another person. Now he's running away. And I'm left there. And I'm going, what the hell? Now this is when it slows down. This is the first real shooting in my life. Uh, where I'm kind of like able to figure out what's going on. There was a couple other things that yeah. they're in, but this is the first one where I'm like in a really bad situation. I kind of try, trying to figure out what to Uh-oh. do. Yeah. So anyway, I make it back to the house. I don't know how I make it back to the house without getting completely destroyed by all these right. guys. But I make it back to the house again, trying to shorten up the story as much as possible. My friend is the is is a police chief's son. Mm. So. Here comes the police. They raid the house. They pull us out. You know, it's the daytime. They bring sure. the, the the chopper out. You know, they pull us out of the house. They they hit hit us pretty good. Throw us in the cop car, and I realize, man, we're screwed. But because who he is, because who his father is, I, I'm guaranteeing that's who it is. And I don't mean to, you know, if if they're listening, if they hear about this, look, I'm not trying to out you guys or hurt you in any way. I'm just trying to tell the truth in in regards to who you are back then, especially was a big deal. And so I was given a, the break of a lifetime. So even though I was in jail that night, guess what? Right. I didn't spend another night in jail. It was all thrown away. And and so, again, Louis didn't have to pay a consequence, even though they threatened me. You're going to get 20 years. Blah, blah. They just didn't know that I was a police captain yeah. with the police captain. Center. We usually break at this time, but we're going right. to continue for a few more minutes, and then we'll break because i got to get some. So you're, you're right. They pick you up. You, right. It sounds like it scared, scared you. you into I mean, something. It's, it's like, it's, you know, when you're, when you're drunk and you jump in cold water right. and you have that where something happens and right. it seems that you're sober. I don't know what you are, but I mean, there was some kind of, uh, uh, the light goes off in, in you and said, I can't continue no, to do this or, or what? That's the problem, Jim. It didn't, it made me more angry really, because what happened was my high school gave me my diploma. They would not let me return to school. And that's all I focused on. See, I never took responsibility for the shooting. I felt since I was the shooter, I, you had no right to arrest me in the first place. So that didn't scare me like that. Uh, bec- it would made me angry was they, they told me I had to leave uh, Texas for six months and they would get rid of the charge. All I heard was, you have to leave. All I heard was my high school saying they don't want me anymore, even though I, in my head, I was a victim. I wasn't the shooter. Right. And my high school kicked me out. You know, and they, and didn't let me come back to the high school, but they gave me my diploma. So instead of looking at it like, wow, I'm getting all these gifts, instead of having any kind of gratitude, because at that point in my life, I didn't even know how to accept gratitude. Right. I just felt like a victim, and I and I buried myself deep in a victim mentality. And that's six months I was sober. The only reason I was sober is because I thought the feds told the state cops to let me off so they can get me on a federal charge. That's what my the people above me were manipulating me to believe was, oh, the feds are going to be coming after you. That's why they're not putting you in jail for the shooting. They're going to let you stay out there. They're going to let you keep working, and then they're going to get you on a federal charge. So that's all I thought was going to happen. So I felt like a victim, and I felt angry. And when I came back to to El Paso six months later, 
I was worse than ever before because you know how they tell you people, places, and things? I didn't change any people, places, and things. I didn't change anything because, I again, I was the victim. And so when In I, a 12-step program, they do say you have to change the people you correct. surround yourself with. Correct. The places where you live, you went right back to the same went people. Went right back to the same people. It wasn't then yet, Jim. It just wasn't then yet. It was later on, eight months later, okay. after it got worse and I got more violent and more problems happened when I started hurting people that I actually cared about. That all of a sudden I was with this female, right? And, and, and I wanted to like her more than I did, but I just couldn't, right? It wasn't that kind of deal. But I said something. I couldn't perform. That's what it is. You want the, you want to plain skinny? That's what it is, Jim. I couldn't perform, and that never happened to me. I was an 18-year-old kid that couldn't perform. That was very embarrassing. Cocaine had never done that to me before. I never thought I could do that. And I was so embarrassed, and my ego was so big at the time. Well, you should have called me. I could have told you. <laughs> that, Stop it. that is oh, my boy. bottom. Isn't that crazy? That is actually what made me swear off cocaine. No. I said, you know, Moira, if ecstasy existed at that time, I mean, if, if, co- if, if put it this way, if Viagra existed at that time, I would have mixed my cocaine with Viagra. I would have never quit doing cocaine. Oh, my. Because yeah, that cocaine works on your mind, but other parts of your oh, body, it doesn't, my. you know, whatever your mind is thinking and saying. It's not. It doesn't work. No. And, and, no, and, and arrest didn't do it. You know, getting hurt at school didn't do it. Violence didn't do it. Shootings didn't do it. Fear didn't do it. The fact that I couldn't perform sexually was my bottom. And I'm embarrassed to say that in one way, but that's exactly how shallow I was. No kidding. And so on my 19th birthday, my 19th birthday, I swore it off, never touched it again. I moved to L.A., and then I, got, I, I just dried out. I didn't get clean and sober any, any way by going to treatment or, or going to meetings the way I should. I'd go to meetings, but I'd get in fights at meetings because I didn't understand crosstalk. I didn't understand the rules of the meetings. So when I would hear people talk, I was so paranoid still from cocaine, even though I was clean and sober. People would be whispering or talking over there, or they would share. But when they would share, I could have swore Moyer they were talking about me. Uh-oh. I thought for sure they were talking about me, and they weren't. But they were just sharing their own personal story. But it sounded so much like my story that I said, I know you're talking about me, brother. So why don't you just look at me like a man and talk? I'd get kicked out of meetings. I said, man, I'm just not. I said, how am I going to get clean and sober? How am I ever going to do this? I would still go to Las Vegas. I would still hang out on the Sunset Strip. I would still hang up with gangbangers that I knew in L.A. I still hung out with criminals. I you're still hanging did, around with these people, but you're still I'm a, but but you're I'm clean, clean and sober. And so I was proud of that. And I was, I was going to prove it, damn it, that I didn't have to stop hanging out with the people and places and things as long as I just didn't use. But a year and a half later, I was... Still dry, and I found myself making some mistakes again, Jim. I found myself running out of money in L.A. I used every dollar I had saved up. Every, I mean, for I don't know how I ran through that much money because I'm using my mom's money too. I'm using her money. I'm using my dad's money. I'm using. I mean, and I ran out. It's so expensive out there the way my lifestyle was. And next thing you know, I had to make a serious decision. I'm. I got. I got the luck of a lifetime. My mom said, "Are you coming home?" And, and and when she said that they had moved to Florida, my dad had retired out of the military. Right. He was now in Florida. My brother got out of the Air Force. He's now in Florida. And my brother made it sound good. He said, I have a boat. Our parents bought a boat. Come out here. The girls are beautiful. It's just like California except Florida. So that was it. You're not performing sexually. You run out of money. Is that, that, is that essentially that finally- it? Isn't that so crazy? And, that was it. and maybe being in the right place at the right time where, you, where your parents and your brother said, eh, come to Florida. And the, and the biggest thing is when I came here to Florida, I met Dana. When I met, I was a 20-year-old kid. She was 19 years old. I met Dana. I have never met somebody that didn't want me for something, didn't want to use me for something. I was used all my life for whatever, for my contacts, for my friends, for my money, for whatever. But this Dana didn't need me for anything. She was innocent. She wasn't a partier. She never smoked. She never drank. She she didn't do any of these things. Right. And yet she still uh, was attracted to me. Right. You know? And I found that so... I don't know. It's so intoxicating mm-hmm. to be loved the way that she loved me. I wanted to love myself 
the way Dana loved me. I want to. I'm going to take a little break, and when we come back, I want to know about the journey that led you to become a certified addiction specialist and all these things that you're involved in. I mean, we could talk for hours and hours and hours, and I, you know, we might keep you into the four o'clock hour <laughs> unless you have to do something. Louis Delgado is our guest. It's the Phillips File on Real Radio 104.1. Phillips off of this Wednesday, you know, every Wednesday at this time, uh, we take the thir- uh, first 30 to 40 minutes, sometimes longer, to concentrate on the opioid crisis here in Central Florida. This is interview number eight. We're talking with Louis Delgado, and Louis Delgado is a certified addiction specialist. He's had a rather checkered past, if you were listening to the first uh, 30 minutes of the program. You know, you heard him wheeling his uh, stories about wheeling and dealing in, in narcotics, from the time he was nine years old up until he's 17, I mean, he, he was into it and really into it heavy. And uh, when, we, when we broke for the commercial, Louie, uh, you essentially said, okay, what are you, 17 or 19? 19 when I quit. And you finally run out of money. You, you were clean and sober, right? but you're, you're out of money. Yeah, oh, yeah, I was 20 by the time I, I 19 I went to L.A. Um, by the way, it's Certified Addictions Professional. I just Sorry. want to make sure. Okay. No, 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 it's not as I just, I, I have to say the initials right or Somebody out there might say, you know, you're representing right. yourself Certified wrong. addictions <laughs> professional. Yeah. To thine own self be true, Jim. You know, I got I to gotta be honest about it. All right. So I went out to I went out to L.A. Right. I'm 19. And by 20, you know, I'm a year. Uh, yeah. You came but, here so, to Florida. 20. Yeah. About 20 and a half I got here. And I met Dana. And um, your and, parents said, Louis, come, they to, all, come to yeah, Florida. Yeah, my parents I mean, were you say, here. look, I got no money. I don't know what the, you know. And they right. say, hey, come to Florida. We're in Florida. Come in. Yeah, come all in, come all they visit. knew is that, you know, I had dropped out of college again. I was in film school out there. That's what I wanted to do. I mean, I was so used to living a double life. I mean, what else do you do when you live a double life? You become an actor, right? Uh, That's what I, I figured. I, 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 yeah. You know, I figured, right. like, yeah, I'm so good at acting <laughs> because everybody believed me all the time, right? And so I'm out there. I'm like, I'm just act. And, and, and as easy as it felt, and as and as and as easy as some of that stuff was kind of coming to me, what the problem was I kept getting in fights and arguments and, and bad situations because I didn't know how to deal with the emotional stuff. Now right. back then, now mind you, words back then still hurt me. And so when people would say, uh, you know, like wet back or spick or anything like that, one of the negative words, am I allowed to say those things? You can bleep my. I, guess so. I, well, I just go. said them. I'm sorry. I no, apologize. No, right. But back then, those words were really big to me. Sure, of course. You know, and and so when you would say those words, or you would insinuate as a Mexican, kid, as a Mexican Hispanic, kid that I was, as Hispanic yeah. that I was, when you or, or Latino, when you would say those things to me, I, I I didn't know how to handle it. And so a lot of those words were being thrown around back then. This is b- before Rodney King rides. By words the way. matter. In right? LA, yeah. the so words you, matter you a lot. So Louis Delgado is not walking away. I'm not somebody, walking away. You know, somebody throws one of those words at right. you. You're not walking away. You no. say, "Hey, you know, you no, get right up in their face. It's going to be problem, a problem, not mine. Right? It's going to be a problem." But it, but it started happening with producers. It's you know because Hollywood is <laughs> is very like how tall you are. Like they'll talk about you openly. Like if you're too short. Or they'll talk about you openly if your skin tone is just a little bit off, right? Well, I'm not used to that. I'm not used to, you know, people picking at you and talking about you right in front of you like you don't exist, like you're an item. And oh, my God. So anyway, that's not even an important part. The important part is, you know, I wasn't emotionally ready, so I left. And I came here where my family was, and I felt like it's time to get back with my family. I had a year and a half clean. Again, I met Dana. I'm starting to feel like myself again. I, I even try to dress different. D- Jim, I try to dress in, in preppy clothes. I had never dressed with polos in my life. I started wearing Izod. Uh-huh. You know, I, I got boat shoes for Christ's sake. Yeah. You know, I, I Good start, God. Yeah, I, I really What's tried. I cut my hair. I, I did all kinds of things that, that what I thought looked clean. Right. But on the inside, I still felt dirty. I was going to meetings, but I really wasn't. I was lying. I said my name was Carlos. I'd say my name was, was Juan. I, said, I ran out of Hispanic names. I went to so many meetings, and I ran out of Hispanic names, but I was not telling the truth. Mm-hmm. And so until one time, I didn't know that people in meetings sometimes went to two meetings. 
You know, and yeah, so they yeah. didn't just stay at that meeting. So all of a sudden, one day, a guy goes, well, aren't you like Carlos or something like that? And I'm like, oh, he caught me. <laughs> you know, when I use the <laughs> fake name. Yeah. So anyway, uh, it happened accidental that I got in this business. Uh, I was going to fight somebody. Uh, Dana and I were at a, at a, at a karaoke. And karaoke is brand new back then. And there's a big right. old white man that was singing Bye Bye Miss American Pie, whatever that song is, right? Yes. And I've never heard that song before at this time. And that song is like an eight-minute forever song, yeah, uh-huh. right? So I'm thinking he's, he's lying to us. This guy is taking advantage. You know, I'm the police of the world now. I'm thinking he's taking advantage yeah. of this of that young girl who's doing the karaoke and us by not stopping. Because every, th- every time I thought it was over... He just Another started. Verse. He just yeah. started right Another. back up again. So I'm heckling him now, you know. Not, but I have no alcohol, no cocaine in me. But I still apparently think that I'm really big and huge and and powerful, right? Well, after he finishes singing, he comes up to our table and he's a huge dude. And I'm thinking, um, as he's getting closer, I'm thinking, I came to Florida. I'm here to catch a case. I'm going to catch a case. This guy's going to kill me. <laughs> what am, I'm already looking at? What am I going to hit him with? You know, because he's huge. He comes and hugs me, which, you know, I, I didn't even know how to deal with that. I was just like, oh, can you please, like, not touch me? And so he hugs me. He goes, hey, man, I really like you. He goes, hey, good. so what are you guys here for? And we told him here yeah, for a yeah. psychology convention because I was studying psychology because I was trying to figure myself out in college. Right? I'm trying to figure out why my brain works the way it works. And he says, why don't you come work uh, at this hospital? He worked at this place called PIMS, right, where he goes, they bring in drunks like I'm drunk now. He goes, they bring in people like me. The cops, they let them go, they leave, and then sometimes the drunks like to destroy the place. He goes, so we have a code team that actually, you know, it's three guys, and they, they come and physically handle the person, put them down. The, the nurse comes, puts a shot in them, and they sedate them, and we, we put them in straps. Does that sound like an interesting job for you? You know, I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Yeah. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, you're going to pay me to get physically aggressive with somebody? Totally legal? He goes, yeah, I go, absolutely. That's how I got in this business. I didn't get in this business because I cared about people. I didn't get in this business because I thought I wanted to become a counselor or anything like that. I got in this business because he told me that I didn't have to flip burgers. This is all I heard in my head was I didn't have to flip burgers. I didn't have to do telemarketing, which was the easiest job to get at the time, you know, without any experience. And I can physically put my hands on somebody. And it was at that place right there in St. Pete, in the Clearwater area, where when I was doing it, I started feeling for the pe- for the clients. You know, because as I'm why commu- though because I mean, I'm you're, communicating you're, with you're that. an aggressive person. You haven't lost that aggressiveness, Correct. even though you're clean and sober. Correct. But you're still ready to mix it up. You're really, you're. Yeah. I mean, you just want to be physical and aggressive right. and assertive. So what happened in that process? You start with the, you start in that job where you say, "This is it for me, man. I can manhandle right. people. I can right. push them around. I can smack them around if right. I want to." But you found so compassion. What happened? Where did so, the compassion so come from? I don't know. Where does that empathy? Where did that start, though? Where did that empathy come? You know, in? I. I fully feel that my relationship with Dana opened up some neural pathways in my brain of a compassion for other people and care for other people just by the way she was with me, the way she accepted me, the way that she you know, was okay with my past, with my story, with not, not judging me. Right. I think that started bleeding into me a little bit. Uh-huh. And I was going to meetings, but I wasn't really being honest. You know, nobody really knew I was even going to meetings. You know what I'm saying? But I'm going. What were you going to the meetings for then? I mean, if you were, I mean, <laughs> they no, kept, I, I, I keep coming back, Jim. I don't know. No, I, I, I mean, I understand. Reason, yeah, I you go to the meetings, back. but you're not. You I, know, I, it was fake. I'm Carlos. Look, I'm Diego. I'm Juan. I'm, I'm Fred. They uh, said two things. They said fake it till you make it and keep coming back. And those were the two things that I that really stuck in that my head. That was the advice that, that, right. that you got at the meeting. Yeah, because and here's the deal. I was such a great student on the street. 
where I didn't have to have everything negative happen to me. I learned by other people's experiences. I fully believe that you don't have to experience things to learn from them. I think that's 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 a line of crap. I think you have to be very watchful and be able to learn from other people who experienced them, and then you can avoid a lot of the pitfalls. Well, when I was going to those meetings, what I saw, even though they didn't have anything I wanted, what they did have what I wanted was a sense of peace about who they were. Mm-hmm. I didn't have that sense of peace and that spirituality from who I was. That's what you were looking for. That's what I was looking for. That's what I was looking for. So so whatever all that stuff was happening, mm-hmm. when I started talking to these clients and when I saw the staff coming on shift and saying, We're gonna, we're gonna get this guy to go off so we can get him, you know, wrapped up and we can get him in, in some shackles so that we can have a good night tonight. When I saw they were instigating clients in order for us to have a decent work night, I said, I can't be a part of this. This is this is criminal. I I I started fighting for the client. And when I started fighting for the client, I realized that the system that I was working within was was not going to support me. Yeah, so you're not fighting. You're fighting. I mean, you're now, fighting. I was fighting. But you're not fighting. fighting the system. Exactly. And that, I found my new inspiration through that. So that reputation carried on. So so when I started fighting the system there, and then I moved on to another job and moved on to another job, I was always fighting for clients' rights that my relationship in the treatment industry became somebody who actually gives a damn. And somebody who's always fighting for client rights. And that's how the doctors who are really good doctors, not the criminal doctors, not the ones that were being, you know, ignoring the problem, but the real good ones started befriending me. And I started getting friends in really high places that I actually cared. And next thing you know, 23 years old, when, I, when, I, when I'm over here in Orlando going to UCF and I graduate UCF and now I'm married with Dana, I had a doctor call me out of the blue and says, do you want to be in private practice? I heard all about you. And next thing you know, I'm in private practice. This is not what I wanted to do. But when I was in it, by the way, I interviewed here and I interviewed with him. I interviewed here for the monsters in the morning, but back no then, way. It was, yeah, yeah, I was, I, 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 I stepped up in front of, it was, it was a Russ and Bo yeah. and Dirty Jim, and, and I had an interview with That's them. Awesome. I'll never forget this. I go interview with them and they're sitting, they're, they're sitting in front of the door and I'm, I'm on, on the other side of the table and they go, and Bo goes, how do you feel about white people? That was the, that was my interview question. Oh, how do you okay. feel about white people? And, and so I'm, I go, well, I hope, uh, I hope, uh, they're kind of cool because, <laughs> you know, I'm sitting here with you guys and I can't get out of this room unless you guys let me yeah. out. And, but here's the, here's the well, issue. You made the right decision. I made the you right got decision. real work. Exactly. Well, yeah, it was only 750 an hour to, work. to work as a producer at, at the time. This and I couldn't do it. never keep your wife and family. So you keep moving right. up, moving, moving up, moving right. up. Do you so think I made there's a somewhere along the line people were looking at you and say, you know, this guy, Louis Delgado, he's right. treating, he's treating clients and patients differently than we treat him treated them before and they're responding better that's exactly what happened i had a therapist approach me and, and kind of out me right so he says there's a reason why the clients are responding to you but you're not telling us what it is and he was really good at what he did because i had i had not really been honest with anybody and he's the way he's talking to me and the way you know he sat me down in his office and the way he was talking to me was very uh i don't know threatening it made me very emotional inside and it made me think things that i didn't want to think and it made me remember things that i didn't want to remember and when he started saying how powerful it would be if I would just be honest and be vulnerable and allow the vulnerability and honesty to come yeah. through because if I'm going to do good in this industry, I'm going to have to get honest with me first and help me first. He goes, but then you're going to be very powerful for other people. And I, and I just believed him. And they put me on the alcohol and drug unit at UBC when we used to have a drug and alcohol unit back then before it went full psych. And then now it's back to drug and alcohol and psych now. But back then, uh, you know, this is 91, 92, 93 era. I believed him, and so I—that is where I become. I became who I became. Is right there at UBC back in the day. Louis Delgado's our guest. He is a certified addictions professional. He's had a very checkered past uh, back when he was uh, a young, young, young man. And uh, when we come back, I want to talk about where this crisis is right now 
in Central Florida, what you think is the best course of action for uh, for people to take. It is a very serious... Pro- You're a great storyteller. There's no question about that. I'd put you Appreciate on staff. It. I don't have the money, though. <laughs> It's I would f- do it free for you. Louis Delgado is our guest. It's the Phillips File on Real Radio 104.1. Your next chance to win $1,000 is just minutes away on Real Radio 104.1. From the Phillips File for this uh, Wednesday, Louis Delgado is our guest. He is a certified addictions professional. Long story short, when he was a young man in the El Paso Juarez area, he got involved in uh, drugs at nine years old, did it all, smoking, snorting, all that good stuff, dealing, selling, this, that, whatever, up and down and all around, finally makes it after, uh, you know, uh, some time in California, this, that, whatever, makes it back to Florida and uh, begins that process of becoming clean. Well, he was clean and sober, comes back to Florida and his parents are retired here. His brother's living here. He's, he's going to meetings, trying to keep that clean and sober thing going. And then you got involved in, you started working with, like for a rehab hospital. Right. It's essentially what is it on St. Right. St. Pete. Right. And it is like the way that clients are being treated. And, fi- you know, and Louis, because he's been you know, involved in all this kind of stuff, both as a, uh, you know, as a user and a dealer, he has a different approach. Begins to develop this different approach when it comes to uh, to people who are having problems with a, with addiction, and slowly, as I as I see it, hear it, begins the process of kind of changing around yourself about how you're dealing with people. Right. You're dealing with yourself, and you're dealing with people. And that's they're helping you. You're helping them. And that's what it is. You know, I finally had to deal with the issue that you know I felt bullied by my brother, and I felt like the system was bullying the clients, and that was my way of kind of. Yeah. Pushing back was saying, well, you know, you can't you can't act like that. You can't do that. So when I realized that if by sharing some of my story with these people and just being honest about where I was with it, clients responded. So next thing you know, I graduate with this degree. A doctor offers me, you know, it was Dr. Pete Butkins, who's still here in town. He offers me to come at to Quest Counseling. This is, what, 93, you know, in private practice. I'm thinking I can go right into private practice. So that's what I did. I went into private practice and, and, you know, he had this small little office and I still remember he had these two offices and he goes, he goes, uh, you know, we had 30 some clients and he goes, just come in here and then, you know, we can build this. And I said, well, let's do this. Why don't you introduce me to everybody you deal with? Everybody that sends you clients right now, introduce them to me. So I went and I, and I started meeting all the people that, that, that sent them clients and we doubled our capacity in one month. And all it was is because people saw me so young because mind you, I'm like 23 years old. And, I, and I'm being open about being in recovery, and then I'm Hispanic, and that had some sort of street credibility out here for some reason. And so when I started talking, they go, well, adolescents would love you, and they started flooding me with adolescents, and that's why I started treating. I, I built an entire career from the pay program right there in Seminole County uh, and then built it from there. And, and, and so as much as I didn't want to become this, I became this. And, then, and I want to fast forward to where we are now. Because here we are in this right. opioid crisis. And let me tell you something. Back then, when, when, when this was all happening, what I'm telling you right now was a time of another crisis. Because, uh, you know, there was, we did have an opioid problem before. We had an ecstasy problem here before. And I, would, and there, I met a lady named Tinker Cooper. I don't know if you remember her from the area. But she had this woman's, you know, this, this, this association. There was a bunch of mothers that were angry because their kids were dying from ecstasy and heroin, right? And I met with her, and, and I said, I want to talk to your group. And when I went and talked for her group, talked to her group, it was all mothers that their kids had died. And I said, I'm the bad guy. I want you to put a face on what you're angry about because it's not about the drug dealers. It's not about the drugs itself. It's not about the clubs. You're, you're out there trying to shut down clubs and you're trying to be angry at drug dealers and all that. You can't, you can't do that. I said, what you need to do is you need to work on this disease of addiction. And I'm showing you that I had the same disease as your sons have. The only difference is I was on the opposite side, but I was also an addict. I was also using. 
I said, so I put a face on a drug dealer for them, and I put a face on someone that was also suffering from them. Where I are mean, we in this crisis in, in Central Florida? Is it, is, it, is it static? Is it getting worse? A little bit better? Based on your observations and your involvement with all this. You know, uh, you know, Louis Delgado is a certified addictions uh, professional. Right. He's also on the, uh, the, the ta- various task, force, right. task forces here in Central Florida right. that are trying to, to deal with this. Last time I checked, it just seems that there's there, there's a, a dozen and a half different task forces. <laughs> I sometimes wonder whether, you know, they're like ships passing in the night. You know, this is why I love Carol Burkett, because uh, from a person like that, I've been there since the beginning of yeah. that, since 98 or whatever, when it started. And the reason I love it so much is because she's really open. She's really open to allowing private practitioners like myself, private industry, come into to this meeting and, and kind of help private industry get involved. And the difference is, is people like me can make a decision overnight. I don't, I don't have a lot of red tape. Government has a lot of red tape. They have a lot of uh, rules and regulations. Well, you know what? People like me and people that own treatment centers, we can make a decision in a second, in a day. And so here's where I think we're at. We can't arrest ourselves out of this problem. We have a great law enforcement. The, the people in law enforcement here, by the way, are incredible. Correct. Uh, I think Demings, I think Espinoza, I think Mina, I think all these people are great. I think Teresa Jacobs, Mayor Jacobs, I think we have a lot of great people. But you can't arrest yourselves out of this problem. But the fact that they're listening to people like me, the fact that these people actually have conversations with people like me to understand the disease itself and how it works within our families and how it works within our mind and the fact that they believe that recovery is possible and recovery does work allows us to develop the drug courts, allows us to develop options for people instead of just arresting us, allows them to understand that anyone can get addicted to this. This isn't the normal uh, way. This isn't the way I got into drugs. This is a way where my wife, who's never done drugs in her life, could right now go into surgery, come out of surgery, get be prescribed a pain medication. Correct. We've had that story. Stay yeah. on the pain medication longer than she should, but not because she 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 really wants to, but because she's not understanding that there's other options how to deal with pain and not understanding how dangerous it is. Not understanding that if you change the definition of what you're taking to to and, and you start calling it legal heroin, even though it's really not legal heroin, but if you put that in your mind that whenever you take a pain medication, it's legal heroin. Just maybe you won't get that refill. Just maybe you try some natural ways to deal with your pain. Just maybe you'd walk away from it sooner. Because if you don't, it starts grabbing you. It start, yeah, it Works controls. It, it, it makes changes within your brain that makes you feel pain when you're not really in pain. And is it essentially, you know, we hear from, you know, the recovering addicts and addicts we've had on this program. It seems to me that their biggest fear is withdrawal because they speak. Right. Because just the process and that terrible, terrible physical and I suppose mental feeling as well. You know, I mean, if you had the flu ten times worse than right. the flu, and somebody said, "Hey, take this, and you won't have the, you won't feel the flu In anymore. An you'll still right. have the flu, but you'll feel so much better." Well, who wouldn't? Right, who and then wouldn't you do something. Well, and like you think that? you can just chip just enough just to not be sick, yeah. you know, and you feel like you can kind of manage it and get that. But you got to remember, Phil. I mean, uh, we feel like we, we have such a, a low self esteem, and we have such a we feel so horrible about ourselves, you feel so dirty that you feel like I I, I have to do it all on my own. The reason I have to do it on my own is because you feel so the, the, your self esteem is so low. You, you feel hide. like such a weak person that you think that's the only way to prove that you're strong to yourself. So where are we with this? And in, in, based on your observations and the people you talk with that are so involved with trying to come to grips with what's going on, I, 
better, worse, static? Where are we? I, I don't think we're static. Not in our area. I think in our area we're better. I, and the reason I say we're better in our area because I think our, our local politicians are actually doing something about it. We can't expect the White House to do something about it. That's way too high up. Our local, smaller level politicians are actually doing something about it. Our local law enforcement is doing something about it. People like you. Look, I'm on real radio right now talking about addiction and recovery. I'm on, I'm on the Commodore show. I'm with Moira and Jim Phillips, and we're talking about addiction and recovery. So how can we be worse? This is actually better. You're actually providing a voice for people like me to say, please understand that we're normal, everyday people with a disease. Every Wednesday, of course, when we do these interviews, we get texts from people say, where do I start? I don't know where to start. I don't know. You know, I, I have a problem or, right. uh, or, or I've got a son who has a problem or my sister's got a problem. Mm-hmm. Where do they, what do they do first? That is the problem. This system is so difficult to navigate. It's, it's crap. Do they, do they call 211. Do they call the police? 211 is a fantastic start. The whole reason I started the Now Matters More Foundation was for that. And what is that? Briefly, okay. What, okay. what is that foundation? Now about? stands for needs over wants, first of all. So the Now Matters More Foundation, what we do is we evaluate treatment programs because there's so many bad treatment programs. There's so many people. People out there, just like, look, the pain management industry was a good industry until the pill mill kind of jumped in, right? And they ruined that industry. We need pain management. There are people with serious pain, and we require people uh, to be, you know, ethical in that in that business. Well, there's no different in the treatment industry. The criminals came into the treatment industry as well, and they did some body brokering. They started using you for your policies and all that. You became a policy, not a person. So what the Now Matters More Foundation does is I know these treatment owners myself. I go visit them. People like uh, like me, there's a lot of other good people that, in this. That I got Courtney Lynch. She's a fantastic nurse. I got a president named Trinity Phillips. He's a fantastic person. We go out and visit these programs, evaluate. Them. So when people call us from at the Now Matters, you can go to nowmattersmore.org and you can reach us like that. You reach out to us. We'll we'll listen to your story and kind of match a treatment program that gotcha. matches you. We get nothing from these treatment centers for referring you. This is a nonprofit organization that doesn't make any money like that. I don't pull any money like that. So so we have to have trusted ways to find the way because if you accidentally call the wrong place, if like if you listen to a commercial just because it sounds good, these are all marketing ploys. These are all people that are telling you there's a cure out there. Listen, I don't know if there's a cure or not, but but that's not the way we're going to sell it. Once an addict, to you. always an addict. Do you call yourself a recovering yeah, let me, addict? Let me ask you a question. You've yeah. been clean and sober how many years now? 29. Do you still have the, the? I mean, is it everyday process no. for you? No. You don't think about it? No, and I got and I, I got to be I honest Every once that. in a while I do. I have to admit it. Every right. once in a while, you know, if somebody, you know, right. I have to admit, if somebody in a, in a moment of who knows when, right. Uh, you know, if they put down the four lines of cocaine, I well, would that be, might be different. Though, I would Jim. be very, no, <laughs> I would be very tempted to say, "Oh, what the hell? What's, how's that, how's that going to hurt?" Here's what I can tell you. I can tell you this, and this is really awkward that you brought with the cocaine. If I go into a conversation where I start talking about the lines and I get too deep in that kind of conversation, my hands will get watery a little I bit, see. and I and I'll feel I'll feel that anxiety, yeah, sweaty, and that stomach, yeah. nervous. Yeah, yeah. So so there is a physiological response to to seeing cocaine or to talking too deeply about, about cocaine. But you asked me if I ever feel it just like no, in normal everyday life. As long as you're doing the things you need to do in your life, as long as you're taking care of yourself health wise, I really believe this because it's working for me. It, then it, you know that hungry, angry, lonely, tired. You know that's the basics of it. But all the corny stuff really works. If you take care of all that corny stuff, it's amazing how we are so resilient. I believe that you have to make recovery instinctual. I have learned how to make it very instinctual. Just like as a fighter, if I had to think when you're going to punch me, oh, what is your, what's going to be your next move? You'd whip my butt in two seconds. But if I learned the correct instincts, which I did, of how to block, move, dodge, punch, re- react, respond, 
Well, then it just made me better on the street. Well, there's recovery is no different. You have to learn how to do this instinctually. If you're in a bad situation where somebody is dropping down some lines or something like that, or somebody is yeah. offering you pills, or you are starting to feel some pain, you better get around a good support system immediately and not around those enablers because there's a lot of enablers and people around you that are okay with you being sick. Louis, I gotta, I gotta let you go. I, I got I, I want to bring you back in a month. Can we Thank do you, that? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you're a great storyteller. You got a great, a lot of information. You're High wonderful energy, guest. passionate about your cause. Exactly what we great. need. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate you know, it. We're being back. Let's get a handle on this. You know, somehow in 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 Central Florida. Thanks, I appreciate, Louis. You, appreciate it. Thank you. It's the Wednesday edition of the Phillips File on Real Radio 104.1. And now the Phillips File presents a game that is not about being right or wrong. Wrong. It's a game that rewards the lucky. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. It's a game where you just have to be close. That's right. You've got that right. The game is closest to the pin. Let's go while we're young. And now, here's your ever-excited host, Jim Phillips. Wow, thanks to Louis Delgado for being our guest during the first Fantastic. hour of the Phillips. I'm absolutely exhausted. Fantastic. I could use a couple of lines right oh, now. Oh, stop so pick it. What's the matter with you? It's a joke. Come on. Get him out. Come on. We're allowed to joke <laughs> every once in a while, all right? You know what I'm saying? Just saying. Yeah, bro. All right. Time for that bonus round of closest to the oh. pin. Lee is on the line. Lee will pick either Mr. Pinkman or Mr. Fritz to win this bonus round. If Lee uh, picks correctly, he will receive that You Matter business card that guarantees him good fortune for the rest of his life. Lee also knows, however, if he picks incorrectly, it's bad luck for him for 24 hours. Okay, Lee, it's up to you. Pick Mr. Pinkman or Mr. Fritz. To win this bonus round of closest to the pin. Who are you going with? Mr. Pinkman. Go with Pinkman. Go with Pinkman. So Pinkman goes to the soundproof oh booth first. I've lost the last two days in a row. I don't know <laughs> why they keep picking me. Are you telling people not to support you? What are you saying? I'm they have just faith saying, in you, baby. they got yeah. faith in you. Odds are not in my favor. You're right. due, baby. You're Today's due. Today's the day. You're turning it around, That's Pinky. Right. Turning it around. You're due. You're due. I'm not you said due. due. You're due. <laughs> no, it's only when you say do do. Yeah. Oh, that's why we say do. That's okay. Do is okay. What you do, do. He's poop. All right, here we go. I got 10 questions for you. Ready? Yep. All right, count down. Keep score, please. Wait, time it too, right? Yeah, do you want to time it? Yeah, time it and keep score. You got to keep score as well, Mo. I know. I know it's multitasking. All right, you're pretty good at that. Enough of that. Here we go. In three, two, one, begin. Mr. Fritz, Philadelphia rapper Meek Mill has been released from prison, but what's the population of Philadelphia? Uh,. 1.8 1.8 million. The movie Philadelphia with Tom Hanks and Denzel Washington was released in what year? 1993. Tom Hanks starred in the movie Castaway and runs how many minutes? Um, 155 minutes. Hanks' friend in that movie was a volleyball name called Wilson. But R&B singer Wilson Pickett died in what year? Um, 2002. Pickett's ill-fated charge against Union forces at Gettysburg took place in what year? 1863. What's the population of Gettysburg, uh, Pennsylvania? Oh, boy. Uh, 68,000. The Glenn Miller song, Pennsylvania 65,000, was released in what year? Glenn Miller. That would be 1941. The Coen Brothers movie called Miller's Crossing was released in what year? Miller's Crossing. 1999. How old is comedian Dennis Miller? Dennis Miller, 65. Get it within 25, you went outright. If Dennis Miller was a crow in Pittsburgh where he was born, he would have to fly how many miles to reach Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh to Pittsburgh? No, I mean Gettysburgh, excuse oh, okay. me. Um, uh, 70 miles. Time. Okay. All right. Oh, boy. 
I was slow. Okay. What do you say? How, how many miles? I was slow. Oh, 70 miles. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Mr. Pinkman, come back in. Sorry, my mistake. That's all good. Cut, cut a couple of seconds. I have your time. I have your time. Did you cut two? I did, no, all just right. one. Oh, yeah, I think two. No, just one. I really think two. One and two. All right, no, got it. Okay. I backed off okay. a second. Don't worry. Mr. Pinkman, I have 10 questions for you. Okie doke. Uh, answer to the best of your ability. Mo's going to keep score and time. I am. It's cool. a, it's pressure, but I got it. Okay, I am ready. Go. Oh, sorry. <laughs> In three, two, one, begin. Mr. Pinkman, Philadelphia rapper Meek Mill has been released from prison. What's the population of Philadelphia? Three million. The movie Philadelphia with Tom Hanks and Denzel Washington was released in what year? 98. Tom Hanks starred in the movie Castaway. It runs how many minutes? 127. Hanks' friend in that movie was a volleyball called Wilson, but R&B singer Wilson Pickett died in what year? 1987. Pickett's ill-fated charge against Union forces at Gettysburg took place in what year? That would have been 1861. What's the population of Gettysburg, Pennsylvania? Uh, 3,000. The Glenn Miller song, Pennsylvania, 65,000, was released in what year? 1976. The Coen Brothers movie called Miller's Crossing was released in what year? Uh, 89. How old is comedian Dennis Miller? He is now 62. Get it within 25 and win outright. If Dennis Miller was a crow in Pittsburgh where he was born, he would have to fly how many miles to reach Gettysburg? 131. Time. Oh, boy. 50. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh. Score this. It's a lot of pressure. Meek Mill released from prison. Yeah, Meek, he's out. What's the population of Philadelphia? Fritz said. Uh, 1.8 million. Pink. 3 million. 1.7 million. Oh! oh, oh damn. Why do you Almost live there or the something? Dot. The movie Philadelphia with Tom Hanks and Denzel Washington released in what year, Fred said? 93. Pinkman? 98. 1994. Oh, Fritz again. Tom Hanks starred in the movie Castaway. It runs how many minutes, Fritz said? 155. Pinkman? 127. 143. That's also Fritz. Damn it. Hanks' friend in that movie was that volleyball called Wilson, but R&B singer Wilson Pickett died in what year, Fritz said? 2002. Pinkman? 87. 2006. No way! Pickett's ill-fated charge against Union forces at Gettysburg took place in what year? Fritz said. Well, they were neck and neck on this one, of course. Uh, Fritz said 1863. Pinky said 1861. 1963. (laughs) Right on the money. Oh, my God. Right on the money. That's a two-pointer. Nice. What's the population of Gettysburg, Pennsylvania? Fritz said. 68,000. And Pinkman. 3,000. It's 8,000. Okay, Pinky's finally on the board. Four to go. The Glenn (laughs) Miller song, Pennsylvania 65,000, released in what year? Fritz said. He clearly didn't hear you say Glenn Miller. Well, no, Fritz did. Because Fritz said, oh, Glenn Miller? That must be. And he answered 1941. Pinky went off the reservation. And he said 1976. 1940. Oh, man. That Glenn Miller. Yeah, Three to band, go. A big band guy. The Coen Brothers yeah. movie called Miller's Crossing was released in what year, Fritz said? 99. I didn't know. Pinkman? This. 89. 1990. Oh, another one. How old is comedian Dennis Miller? Fritz said? 65. Pinkman? 62. 64. Oh, Fritz. Oh, man. This is oh, so not pal. good. It's only this. You have this and only this to hold on to. Pinkman. What's the score? This is the worst. Because it's like a jillion to two. 
That's not a it's real three, number. Six, it's, it's eight to two. Sorry. Eight, I counted it's up. That's not a real number. Get it within 25, you went out right. Yeah, okay. Here, this boy. is your chance, Pinky, right here. If Dennis Miller was a crow in Pittsburgh where he was born, he would have to Love fly it. how many miles to reach Gettysburg? Fritz said. After questioning you one more time, he said 70 miles. Pinkman said. 131. In fact, Dennis Miller, if he were a crow in Pittsburgh and wanted to fly to Gettysburg, he would have to fly a total of... 185 miles. Oh, not enough, Pinky. Not enough, Sorry. Man. So uh, you get that question, but Fritz wins the game. Oh, he spanked hey. you. Thanks for playing that bonus round of closest to the pin. Remember, yeah. Wow. See? Ended up 8-3. to three. I told Jens I was bad. The poor listener gets bad luck. I told him I was bad. Get with it. I can't just get with it. I either have it or I don't. It takes time. I think he's having some problems with his mojo or something. Oh, gee. Wow. Now that rumor is going to be spread. You got mojo problems. I don't have any mojo problems. You do. <laughs> Clearly, three in a row. I've got closest to the pin problems. My mojo's just fine, baby. Saying. How those throw pillows doing? To... Oh, boy. Here we Did go. Did you finally get some? Or yeah. Just we... looking around. Once they... he gave up the man card, his mojo went down the toilet. You and your the uh, betrothed or... like to yeah. look around a lot. The, uh, the color is not suitable, so... <laughs> But they were cheap, so we might just put them on the couch or something. I don't know. Make, make them a, like a cat pillow. Yeah, thanks to Louis Delgado for being our guest during the first hour. Usually we, you know, Wednesdays we spend the first 30 or 40 minutes, but he was so, he was such Compelling, a great storyteller. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we kept him, you know, until 410. <laughs> and we're going to bring him back next month. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. To continue the story. He's got to, he'll still be talking. He's great. He's probably out in the hall talking now. So, uh, yeah, you wind him up. It's like, among that's other it. things, uh, yeah. Louis Delgado, who is a uh, addictions uh, specialist, uh, professional, and he says one of the best things you can do, you know, you got a problem, somebody in your family, a friend, whatever, call 211. Just get it started. Call 211. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about that before. That will essentially It'll start s- the process, shuttle you to the right place. Yeah. So, wow. Wow. Anyway. Ooh, Maybe tomorrow will be better. Mm. Why? There's always tomorrow. There's that's true. Yeah, there is always tomorrow. What are you? That's what Annie, Annie from said, the, right? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> really, your last day to pull it together against Fritz. Right. It is. Otherwise, I, Friday. I go into the weekend 100 percent defeated. <laughs> oh. Right. Let me take a little break. When we come back, Mo's going to have some news. We'll comment on that later in the program. What do we have going on? Scott Maxwell, Busy. shot doctor, five minute professor. All later on Real Radio 104.1. Check of the news right now. Here's Big Daddy. Thank you, Big Jim Weasel. Monkeys in Tanzania have created their own species. Only two species live in Gom National Park, but hundreds of thousands of years of interspecies breeding has created a new species. Hybridization often occurs in response to environmental changes including climate change. Hot monkey sex. Amsterdam shoe companies have created shoes made from gum. The gum drop shoe recycles chewed gum and produces solace out of the substance. Gum after all is a synthetic rubber. And yes it smells like sugary sweet gum. Wanna hear some bad news? Over 1 million kids have already had their identities stolen. And this was just last year. Go to javelinstrategy.com for more information to see what exactly what was stolen. Headlines were brought to you by Filutowski Cataract and LASIK Institute. Go to myvisionfreedom.com. End transmission. Where your spare time comes to die. Toll free 888-978-1041. Real Radio. 104.1. 
And we're going to do some news, by the way, uh, based on what we do every Wednesday in the first hour, talking about substance abuse here in Central Florida. Anybody has a problem, mm-hmm. whether it's a, a mental problem, a problem with alcohol, problem with uh, opioids, uh, one of the first things you can do, or you know somebody that needs some help, dial 211, and they will uh, offer... That's good advice. Yeah. You, yep. just, you just just take it right from there, 211. That's the best They'll advice we can provide. They'll direct you to the right thing. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, Jim, the la-di-da brought to you today by Fox 35, the news station, Fox Bigger, better, bolder news coverage. Watch Fox 35 News at 10 with Charles Billy and Luann Sorrell right after your favorite Fox primetime shows only on Fox 35, the news station. A University of Central Florida nice. fraternity is suspended today. We told you about this yesterday. It broke during our show. I saw one of the kids in court today crying <laughs> like a baby. Yep, and he, he bonded out, <laughs> so that's the good news. No, I don't, well, or yeah. bad news. The woman claims she went to a party at an off-campus house used by ATO on Friday night, got drunk, and was sexually assaulted by two men. Those two guys arrested, charged with sexual battery of an incapacitated person. Come on. The university, UCF, says ATO, Alpha Tau Omega, violated several rules, including furnishing alcohol to underage people and noticeably intoxicated people. I guess you have the right of free association, whatever you do off campus. I mean, as far as fraternities, sororities, or whatever. Sure, but, wow. but uh, you know, you still have the connection to the university. It'd be refreshing, at least I think, from my perspective. Uh, new six is somebody would come six. along and say, we're not, do- we're not dealing with this uh, fraternity, sorority crap anymore. Sorry. <laughs> Just news, not. News 6. Uh, WKMG getting results. They are uh, actually reporting at this hour that a Seminole County commissioner has been arrested this afternoon on charges of domestic violence after an argument with his adult son turned physical. How adult? Well, I don't know. I mean, but I will tell you that the commissioner, John Haran, um, is 65 years old. So let's say he had the kid at 30. That means the kid is... 35. Get out of the house. Get a job. If he had the kid at 25, the kid is... The kid is 40. Well, I, I mean, how, old, maybe how long are you going to live here? Maybe he wasn't living with him, right? Yeah, I no, actually, <laughs> I will tell you that. The reason that Jim says that is because I read him the whole story. Oh, boy. It turns out they were arguing about living arrangements. Oh, God. Yeah, dude. Then, I know things have changed, but I can't imagine. No, me neither. I can't imagine. Uh-uh. Nope. Going to Snarly Charlie. Your dad? Yeah. Say, hey, you know, uh, you know I don't have a job. You know, I want to come home. <laughs> Can I live here? No. Uh-uh. <laughs> well... All right, then. No, I just don't. Governor Rick Scott, Jim, was I wouldn't in, have, I, oh. you know, I'd have to live in the woods before I do that. I because I know what the I know what they were actually would The do. consequences. So I'm a child of the good. Depression. You're coming home, but for a free ride, get out of here. Yeah. Governor Rick Scott was in Ocala today recognizing the heroes of last Friday's Waffle House shooting. His office said, oh, no, maybe it was, yeah, that's, no. What are you mm-hmm. doing? You lost. Hold on. I got a little confused. That's okay. Okay. What I will, I will go. I will backtrack. Waffle House. Waffle House. Nope, not Waffle, Waffle House. House. Not Waffle House. Don't keep saying Waffle House. That's wrong. Pancake, Pancake House. House. No. <laughs> I hop. No, incorrect. None of that happened. Frishes. There was a shooting in a school. His They're office. A school called Gov- Waffle House. Yeah. Governor Ooh. said, well, because it was a, you know, and then there were the two police officers shot in the Chinese restaurant, and all of those shootings sort of blur in my head. Uh, Governor Scott's office says he presented medals. To staff and law enforcement at Forest High School who intervened to keep the students safe. Good. So that was what happened. First of all, now let's go down to Parkland. Yet another shooting. Uh, they have assembled a panel to investigate the Parkland shooting. Yeah. And they are looking at a lot of really gruesome video. Presiding over the first meeting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, uh, the Pinellas County Sheriff actually is heading up this commission. Said there is video from within the school. 
as well as recorded yeah. on kids' cell phones. And it, it, he <clears> says it is, and this is the sheriff now. The sheriff says, quote, it's hard to watch. Now, some of the parents of the children who were killed yeah. at Parkland serve on this committee. Yeah, that's correct. And I was trying to think back when I read about this earlier today, whether parents or relatives of anyone who died during the Pulse Massacre was on any kind of committee know. looking into this. don't know, but I do know... There's still questions related to Pulse. There are some Parkland parents who are on the committee. They are trying to prevent the video from being released because eh, they said okay. it's just, you know, awful. So anyway, that's now they're... There was a school threat over in Fort Myers, down in Fort Myers, I guess you would say, down in Lee County. Uh, the school district down there says nearly 50% of the student body at Fort Myers High School failed to show up for classes this week. Why? Because they had a threat <clears throat> emailed to school staffers last Friday. So Monday, guess who showed up? That would be nobody. I mean, like very few people showed up to school on Monday. Tuesday, Think a teacher showed up with a gun? More than 800 students were absent. Despite a determination that this bomb threat or threat, whatever it was, was not credible. But if I hear there's a threat at my kid's high school, guess who's not sending their kid to high school? Me. I totally get why parents would just say, just, we'll, we'll give it a day or two. We're good. You know, you get a threat, then they say it's not credible. Then they say maybe it is, maybe I, but, but let's figure it all out yeah, before like, I set my price position. Yeah, you know, they're trying to throw school. you off, though. I know. So you don't show up for school, uh -huh. but the real threat's the next day. Nah! Just saying. I'm just saying. A Sarasota kid wanted to invite his girl to the prom, but boy, is he an idiot. Why? <laughs> Did you hear about this controversial prom date proposal? No, what happened? You know, they make a big deal now out of uh, proposing for a prom date, inviting oh. the girl for prom. What are you talking about? Yeah. This Get is down awful. on one knee? What do you do? No, they, they do a whole video. Oh, yeah, they do a whole proposal. stage thing. This, 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 this is craziness. Pink Plus, you know, right. there are a lot of kids, a lot of kids in, in high school, it. they'd love to go to prom, but they can't afford it. It's become unaffordable for yeah. so many kids. Well, this promposal went terribly wrong. The kid... Video? They do a video and a promposal. They do all this staging. They do all this event. Oh, they God. they put the, will you go to prom with me oh, yeah. in M&M's? I mean, it's like a whole thing. There's always a thing. And ending <laughs> with, you know, they have a banner flying over. They have something. It's always a big deal. It's crazy. It I is. remember I got yelled at by my girlfriend in high school for just assuming she was going to go with me. Yeah, you uh, don't you assume. No, no, no. No, you got to ask your girlfriend. You got to ask the girl. Oh, who knew? Well, this no kid in me. Sarasota, at, at Riverview High School in Sarasota, held up a sign. Inviting his girl to the big dance, and it read, okay, no, yeah, this, this is, is the thing. This Qu is in quotes. This is, quote, Dopey Noah Crowley wrote this, quote, if I was black, I'd be picking cotton, said Noah, but I'm white, so I'm picking you for prom, said <laughs> Noah, end quote. Kids okay, are, kids are just if stupid. I'm black, it's cotton, yeah. If it's, I'm, but because I'm white, it's you? Really? Kids are stupid. Kids are really stupid. dumb. I mean, adult. A lot of adults are, are stupid too. He's racist. Kids... He's just damn racist. Well, he's racist in training. Well, yeah. How old is he? He's Sixteen, seventeen, well, seventeen. Yeah, sure. yeah. Well, he's on that road. Uh huh. He's on Clan oh. Road. As <laughs> on we the speak. road. To, yeah. Racist highway. He's on the racist highway, Jim. Come on, son. Don't do that. Yeah. Really. What a. Well, just you know. Stop number it. one. Just stop it. Regardless of that. What? I mean, just go to the just. Is it, Go but, to the prom and stop with all this fancy Unless stuff. girls now have some kind of fancy uh, proposal, they yeah. what do they say? No? Well, they get well, mad they just at go you. Up there oh, say, no, they get mad. They're not going to put out, maybe. You I don't know, know hormonal girls, Jim. They get mad? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. It's so if thing. you just said, hey, uh, you whatever, go to the prom? Mary, you know, would you would you like to go to the prom with me? 
That's no good. And they, what, no. they refuse because there's not some big fancy smancy? They would be crushed, though, inside. They'd say, okay, but they would be crushed inside. Oh, yeah. Well, you don't want to go to the prom with somebody like that, then. You don't know that in high school. You're That's a dumb teenage uh, boy. Well, I, well, here's what you do. You go back to your room and... Hey, 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 listen. And you won't worry about it anymore. <laughs> oh, Think about Same it advice person. for men who are getting a divorce. <clears throat> yep. The jury is now out in the Bill Cosby trial. You know what? They're on the rebound. Jim, it could be any minute that we hear the results. The jury's out in the Bill Cosby trial. So the dollar that you bet Pinkman could come today. Uh, the jury is is now deliberating behind closed doors. Oh, boy. He's accused of three counts of aggravated indecent assault in 2004. That both sides did their closing arguments, of course. Uh, Cosby never took the stand in his trial. People are rushing to Disneyland in California for what is being called popcorn with a price tag. What's that? It's a bucket of popcorn, but it costs you $20. Why? Why? Because you get a limited edition popcorn bucket Mm. in the shape of that little green alien guy from the Toy Story movies. Oh, how fun. Now, the good news is this tchotchke that you get at Disneyland. More stuff. Not here, but out in California. This tchotchke is only available for annual pass holders, first of all. And second of all, if you get one of these $20 yeah. popcorn buckets, you can refill your popcorn for a dollar. There you go. And you hold on to it for 20 years. It'll be worth $20.20. It'll be worth $19. I don't know. I just found that ridiculous, personally. You put your beanie babies in there. Yeah. Oh, I remember those. That was a great investment, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah. You mentioned Meek Mill. He's out. Oh, he's yeah. a free man this afternoon, released from the Philadelphia prison yesterday. Right. And he went straight to a playoff basketball game where... Kevin Hart was there, and a lot of different famous people were there. Um, he, he was picked up in a helicopter by the co-owner of the Philadelphia 76ers, Michael Rubin. Jeez. I know. Fancy schmancy. Um, Sweet. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah. The uh, He made some kind of remark. Uh, you know, the arresting officer, he said, was a, allegedly a dirty cop. And wrote on Twitter, you know, this and that. Anyway, we'll keep our eye on Meek Mill, see how long he stays out of jail. Uh, royal baby name, still no ne- no word. I'm looking Lame. every day. Every day, don't have an idea. How long does it take? Maybe they're having an argument. Maybe they can't decide. Well, I thought... Uh, I want his name to be Arthur. Artie. I think Artie is the best name oh, on the list. Yeah. No, <laughs> and I there's disagree. nobody calling him what you said yesterday. They will when he goes to private no. school. Mm-mm. Oh, yeah, bro. Farty, arty. No, oh, it's... Yeah, <laughs> happens every arty will tell you at no. one point in time when they were in school, you know, either really screws up with their psyche or they become the toughest kid in the neighborhood. Well, anyway... Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, yeah. It's like Dick Trickle. <laughs> Remember Dick Trickle, the stock car driver? Oh, yeah, he's got he didn't mess around with Dick Trickle. No, he's got the best name. Because yeah, people you. were messing around with him and he learned how to fight. And, you know, what do you want to call me again? Uh oh. Punch you right in the nose. Uh, let's see. Today's April 25th, 2018. Today is National Zucchini Bread Day. Yeah. It's like carrot cake or, or um, what's out of the bread? I'm not a fan of zucchini. Bread. Banana bread. You don't even taste <laughs> the zucchini. It's a way of sneaking vegetables into your diet. You know, zucchini's only been around for about 100 years. What? What happened to the seeds before that? They didn't. No exist. plants, and that's when the world started falling apart, Jim. <laughs> well, maybe it's what? been around longer, but uh, nobody was cooking with it. Oh, got that right. Well, all righty then. It's zucchini <laughs> bread them day. It's like banana in. bread, but it's better. Zucchini bread is better than banana bread. I disagree yeah, wholeheartedly. Okay, sure. That's why they're selling so much zucchini bread. <laughs> it can't can't keep no. it stocked in mm. stores. I can't no. Eat. no, it's a homemade. Shelf. It's a home. It's ooh. It's a homemade thing. It's not a store thing. You know, it's you hard to find banana in bread. You in just a say store. zucchini. You go. Oh, stewy limp. No, it's it like shouldn't cucumber, be. but it's all. <laughs> it shouldn't be guch. No, it yeah, shouldn't be like, guch. 
It is gook. Like it something is comes gook. out of your stomach after your gut shot Stop in World War II. It. No, that's wrong. That's just wrong. <laughs> I'm no. dying, Charlie. Yeah. Look no. at a bowl of zucchini. No, that's Stewed wrong. zucchini. Tell me. Yeah. <laughs> that's what they use as special effects zucchini. in World War II movies. I hate zucchini and I hate squash, too. Is that I'm the, not a big fan of squash what's either. What's the yellow one? Is that squash? Yeah, that's squish. But zucchini's green. The cucumbery thing is green. It's zucchini, yeah, right? It's all good. Correct. It's all good. Nasty. To me, they're both the same and they're gross. Uh, just so. Well, how rude. Well, it is. She's uh, absolutely correct. Uh, not a fan <laughs> over here. I know you have to eat more vegetables and more colored vegetables in your diet. Watch it now. We don't use that term anymore. <laughs> no, not yeah. that. Oh, I see what you're saying. They're ethnic vegetables. <laughs> no, no. Like, you don't have a white potato, you have a sweet potato because it has color in it. Right. Right? You don't have, fit, like, iceberg lettuce, nothing. You add the darker vegetables like kale or spinach, right? You have darker stuff. So I know that both what were you, zucchini and squash are darker vegetables, so you should have them. But bleh, they are nasty. Yeah, I agree. I'm not. I mean. I'm not a fan. Raw in a salad is the only way possible. Stop talking about it. I'm getting. Oh, well, then they're not fresh. Then they're, they're over. reacting. Just thinking about it. Stop. No, no. Stop, stop, stop. Stop, stop, stop. That's not Ew. nice. No. Oh, God. All right. We're no, good. don't die. No, he's going to vomit in here. No, stop don't it. do it. Nope. Remember that Stomach. time Mo vomited in there? Doing no. flips. No, I didn't vomit in there. I went outside. Oh, okay. Close enough. <laughs> you really did vomit, though? I thought I was going to. I got a little queasy. I had to lay down. Jacob said, go out and lay down. Lay down on the couch. It wasn't really the deal. But anyway, happy, happy birthday to you. Pull your knees up to your chest and, and, you know. Let loose? No. Breathe. It wasn't that kind of an issue. I was. It was coming up. It wasn't going. Never mind. I want to redirect it. Happy, happy birthday today <laughs> to Al Pacino. Attica. Attica. Oh, oh. Get it with a flamethrower. <laughs> he is now 76. I'm sorry. Who is this? Al Pacino. Al Pacino. He doesn't know who it is. He's 79. Uh, 78? Yes, on the dot. Oh, oh, 78 come on. years old. Yeah, wow. bro. Wait, where is it? What? I don't know where he's going. Finally, yeah. huh? yeah, oh. finally, it feels, feels good. Yeah. Wow. I'm going to call my mom. Jeez. Okay, the Rocky movies. Adrian. Her name was Talia Shire. Mm-hmm. How old is Talia Shire? Or Adrian? Adrian. What else was she in? I don't know. That's all I got. Uh, ta- she was in The Shining, right? No, Pinkman, go first. No. Uh, no. Uh, Talia Shire, how old? She is 63. You're thinking Shelley Duvall. No, she is 67. She's got to be 72. On the dot. Oh! <laughs> 72 is Greg. Come on. Oh, here we go. There it is. Now we're going to win this thing. All right, Fritz, you go first. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if she had work done or what, but she had squinty eyes I'll for tell a while. You. Renee Zellweger. Yep. Yeah, she had work. She did? She did? Yeah, I don't she know. She didn't look anything like she did. No. Well, she had something done to her face. I don't know what. But anyway, Renelle, Renee Zellweger. She had a little makeover. She's 48. <sighs> oh, that's not too bad. That is a good guess. Yeah. 47. Damn it. Uh, f- 49. On the dot. Page. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's Woo. the la-di-da. A little bit late, but... Just call me Moira. Son of a gun, man. All right, no, take my- a little break. Plenty of things happening this afternoon. We will have the uh, regular round of closest to the pin. we got Scott Maxwell. We'll talk to him later in the program. Shot Doctor as well. It's the Phillips File on Real Radio 104.1. Chance to win $1,000 is just minutes away on Real Radio 104.1. From... 
gotta keep them separated. for a Wednesday, uh, French President Macron addressed a, a session of Congress today. Wow. Was it in French or English? English. He spoke the whole time in English. It was for almost over an hour, I think. Yeah. Damn. And he was, you know, clearly bilingual, and it was a passionate... What people, do you have to say? People were on their feet. It's our longest uh, uh, ally, the United States, right? I think Trump is surprised at that, but yes, he keeps saying, oh, "Come on!" I don't know if you know that, but French, the France is our longest ally. A dling. He keeps saying, "I don't know if you know that," but anyway, uh, See yeah, him kissing each other and shaking. Oh, and hands holding and hands, hop- grabbing each other all the time. <laughs> Melania doesn't even want to hold his hand. He's picking off things off his sweat, off his uh, suit enough coat. already. They're yep. playing you, dude. Oh. Well, they had three things. <laughs> all you have to do is say nice things about Trump, and he just loves you to death. Yeah. Just. And her suit is beautiful. You're wonderful. Your wife this is and that. beautiful. You know, you'll, yeah, he'll, Your wife he'll, held up. He'll put you in charge of the Veterans Administration. Mm-hmm. Loser. It's as easy as that. Yeah, exa- that's all you need to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, even though they looked like they had a bromance for the last couple of Bro-man. days. Yeah. yeah uh, they disagreed on three things. Number one, the Paris Climate Accords. Yep. Number two was the South Korea thing. And number three was the Iran nuclear deal. Hmm. What's bigger than that? Those are all three big, I think. But I think his line was funny, and he's like, we're all citizens of the planet, and let me tell you, there is no planet B. Yep. Get it? Like, there's no plan B. And there are if we no screw croissants up, there. If we screw up this one, there isn't oh, enough. I, I hope he doesn't claim that to be original. I've heard that one before. I haven't heard Yeah, that's yeah, like all, all over the internet. That's a bumper sticker. There's Thank no you. planet B. Come I like on. I think that's been a bumper sticker since the 70s. Come on, Macron. Yeah. Macron. Ever since, since the original the, Earth Day. Yeah. Since Earth that crying Day. Indian on TV. Yep. Except he wasn't Indian. He was Italian. Oh. Yep. What? The crying Indian? Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wasn't it the anti pollution PSA? Yeah. Where he cried because right. he yeah, was Italian. Yeah. It was Keep America Beautiful. It was Lady Bird Johnson's program. Yeah. I believe it was Keep Italian. Yeah. But if you, you know, <laughs> have a stereotype of. What an American Indian ought to look like. He fit the bill. You're right. He's better than Chief Wahoo. Iron Eyes Cody was born Espera Oscar de Corti. All right. Italian-American actor. So, what do I get? Points. Points. Thank you. Oh, You're there welcome. it is again with the points. Oh, come on. And I didn't how? even ask for him. Mm-hmm. Don't really go down that road, Pinkman. How? What do you say, how? Yeah, how? Yeah, don't like it, sue me. Oh, ha, ha, there's Cody. another one. Yeah, points. <laughs> Konnichiwa. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's Japanese. Funka. Oh, you fay. Now, that's funny. So you got a rousing... Uh... Yes. They were on their feet. Well, good. Uh, all 535 of them. Yelling and screaming. He they likes were... us. He likes us. Clapping, clapping, clapping. Merci. He likes us. Huh? <laughs> Je t'aime. Macron. Je t'aime. Ooh. Yeah. 
Anyway, it turns out. I like Melania's outfit the other day when they're on the balcony. She's got that bolero hat. hat on, or what do you call it? That flat brim hat. Somebody said oh, it yeah. looked like Carmen San Diego. I thought but she looked white. good. I mean, yeah. she's you know, she dresses well, beautiful. There's no denying that. Yeah, yeah. cool hat. I, Laughing what? at Barack Obama's jokes at a funeral. Don't get much better than that. Oh man, one of the late night not shows. having sex with the president. Ew. Doesn't you never get know. much better than that. <laughs> one of the late night hosts. Had all four of them standing on the you know the portico or somewhere you know on the yeah. balcony or something, and he is trying desperately right. to hold her hand. Did yeah. you see it? She don't want any part. She's of like uh 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 uh, and she's brushing him off and brushing him off and brushing him off. And finally, he you know he is able to grab her hand. You know, trying to be quite you know cool about she it. She gave him a look. Uh, no, but then he went hmm. You know, he gave like a self satisfied to her look. or Just, to somebody. Yeah, toward her, like hmm, <laughs> like one of those. I did it. Hmm. You know, like that. Good for him. He's got a, you know. Oh, it's, it was goofy. Any win he can find, he That's should just win. grab He's it. That's a win. He's a winner, yeah. Put he it in is his certainly a winner. Save it. Loser. Oh. Anyway. <laughs> that was a funny, you know, somebody isolated their hands and she's brushing. Get, get, get away from me. The first three or four He's times. still he, wearing the cummerbund, too. I thought the cummerbund was now out with tuxedos. But I guess it if you're of that age, you're, you know. No, I think it's totally a right. gut. It's a gut holder. Yeah, otherwise you'd see, you know, you know his, he has that his role. waistline. Mm-hmm. You know, you get older and older, your waistline goes up and up. Do you think he wears right Spanx? Your boobies. Mm-hmm. Wear Spanx, maybe? Who? In a tuxedo, Trump? Because he's got a belly. Oh, I don't know. Well, what kind of Spanx? Like a half... Men have Spanx, you know. Oh, like a bodysuit type of thing? They have tops and bottoms. Like a wetsuit? They have undershirts and bottom pants. You know, like... Um, undershirts boxer... and bottom pants. And bottom... What do you call them? <laughs> uh, boxer briefs is what How I was trying to say. Boxer briefs. and they're, But they're compression... So you don't have They're compression shorts. Yes, but they there's well, what do you do for your stomach? For men, they come it's, all the way up to your up to no, your. No, it's a t-shirt. Like how a do you hold your gut shirt. in? They hold you in. It's the material holds your belly. How in. do you get in that? How it's, do you get in you that put thing? Put your hands like and you pull the t-shirt. And get a valet in the White House helps get shoehorn them into one of those things. <laughs> I don't know what. Uh, when I saw oh, the where com- do you get one of those? On what? Amazon, anywhere. Spanx. Spanks uh, yeah. for men. Spanks for men. Ask for it. He wears fancy underwear. No, I don't understand how it hold your stomach in. No, the, the material. Without no, you- I have spanks. I have a bodysuit one, and I have the tops and the bottom ones. And I'm telling you, it is like. That's I understand how it works, and I understand the full bodysuit, <laughs> but you, I, I I also understand men's stomachs. And unless you you, you got to cover, you got to get down into your thighs. Otherwise, it's not going to hold it in. It's just going to push it down. It's just going to push a roll of fat. Where is it going to push you to? Over your over your belt line, over your waistline. No, it holds it in. How? It squeezes it in. It squeezes it. Like compression. Yeah. It it yes. It doesn't push it down, Jim. It pushes. I it know in. how it. No, no, no. You it's don't like understand. No, if you press it in, it's got to go someplace. Okay. Unless it covers a certain amount of area. If you just have put on a t-shirt, like a spanx, like a girdle for your for your Top. chest and your yes. stomach, uh-huh. and it comes to here. It comes all the way down like a t-shirt would down come. Down to here. Yes, like a t-shirt would come. Like an undershirt would come. Yes. I, I just don't. I just don't. Okay, don't believe me. I'm telling you. No, I don't. Buy the, Where I does it go? I understand they might have a male bodysuit of some sort. No, nope, it's not a bodysuit. Oh, yeah, they got it. No, well, they might have oh, well, that. Oh, it's not going to hold your stomach in. It holds Maybe. it in. It just squishes it in. No, I don't know. Nah, <laughs> all I know is he wears that cummerbund. Uh, at, That's so old school. At JCPenney, yes. you can buy yes. a Insta Slim men's compression slim belt where it comes up from your boxers and squishes your belly. What? Yeah, see? Look at the picture. No. <laughs> what? No. 
That's, it's creepy. What no, do you no, want to look at? I don't want to look at men in underwear. Well, how would you know what to buy then? That makes you. I don't body need one of those felt. things. I don't want to buy one. I know what to look. You know. I'm sorry. Last week you were talking through your belly button in here. Look, so, I got what? a couple extra pounds, but that doesn't mean I want some spanks. You were making it like blur, talking, blur, blur. like "Hello, Mister Belly." Yeah, that's the fun thing to do. Yeah, where yeah. you okay. can, talk, you can yeah. squeeze it, and yeah. then your belly button has got a, makes a like face. a little mouth. Yeah, it's like, like a, yeah, it's like a built-in puppet. You can call me Prince Buttercube, but I'd like something more to eat. Thank see? you. So, oh, really, some ice cream and brownies. Would I don't be know very why you would right want to see. <laughs> it's like it's a puppet. Look, I'm smiling. I got a happy, smiley happy, stomach yeah, face. That's funny. Glue some googly eyes on there. <laughs> Glue? I, yeah. yeah. How else are they going to stick, bro? True. Mm. Anyway. Anyway, I think, well, I thought he wore the cummerbund for gut control. Maybe. But then I thought maybe he wears Spanx. He's a stand-up street. He schlumps. He does. Yeah, he doesn't have to do anything, Jim. He's the president. That's true. And he's tall, so I think tall people schlump. Yeah, and he's no 245. Or no. 235, whatever that he doctor did, said. 239. They did Is that say what the two, doctor yeah, said? 239? So. And he he's got live, at least another 25 pounds on him. And he could live to 200 years old. He's so healthy. He's, he's such a specimen. No, he <laughs> said he could live to 200 years old if he wasn't eating so much French, fri- French fries. Oh, well. He said, in a perfect world, dot, 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 I think was how he... Yeah. Yeah, well, in no. a perfect world, I'd live to 200, too. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. And I would never die. Really? And I could breathe underwater. <laughs> well, good for you. What? <laughs> That's in a perfect world for like me. Like Kevin Costner in Waterworld. Oh, but he's God. in absolutely terrible shape. Uh-huh. Kevin Costner? No. The president. <laughs> the Trumpster. I bet she's in just terrible shape. Well, he's, he's like a dog. And he doesn't exercise. He admittedly doesn't like to exercise and doesn't do no, it. he doesn't drink. He doesn't smoke. Mm. Never has. Yeah. Neither do you. What? Drink I or did, smoke. Though. Oh, oh, ever. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. And you loved it. Yeah, you did. When I smoked cigarettes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Two and a half packs a day. Loved Nothing. every damn cigarette I smoked. I don't know how you have time Nothing, for all that. Nothing wrong with that. That's well, 20, I can multitask. 40, 50 cigarettes a day. Yeah. You know, oh, you're up for, doable. let's say, 12 hours or let's, I don't know how many hours. I, I just think that's a lot of maintenance. That's, that's a lot of cigarette well, It's not that hard to do. You got to make sure you have cigarettes. You got to make sure you have matches. You got to make sure you have ashtrays. You got to make sure that you're not singeing holes and stuff in your clothing. You got to as soon as you don't cinch holes in your clothing when you're smoking a cigarette. You do when you're smoking uh, weed. Oh, but you know Mm -hmm. nobody's cinching their their clothing with a cigarette. Oh, I see. So I think as soon as that one goes out, you must have to crank up another one and light it with the end of it. You know, like I've seen people do that. Like I rarely did that. Okay, so you're smoking cigarettes. You you know, for the most part, you always have a lighter on your matches. I guess fifty. Cigarettes yeah. in a day, we'll assume you're up for 16 hours in a day. Yeah, let's say five, minutes, so that's five like minutes of smoke. Three an hour. Uh, yeah, three or four an hour. That's yeah, right. that's not bad. Yeah. You know, every 20 minutes, you start getting the oh. yips. <laughs> you know, the nicotine, nicotine yeah. yips. <laughs> you know, yeah. You're, 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 but yeah, your body's withdrawing from the nicotine. That's exactly what's going on. I know. Yeah, you weren't at Waylon Jennings level. Yeah, that foolishness. Oh, I just, I just like to smoke. Yeah, you like to smoke because uh, you don't want to get those nicotine yips. Mm-hmm. You're addicted. You got a monkey on your back, son. <laughs> it's called nicotine. Oh, you got to get that monkey off your back. I just like the way it tastes. Yeah, you, exactly. Did you ever try Nicorette gum or any kind of Nicorette? Oh, I used to smoke everything. and chew Nicorette gum <laughs> Ooh. Nicorette, at the same time. And Double the dose. Nicorette gum is really, like, gets the job done. I was actually thinking about mean? getting a stoma so I could have smoked two cigarettes at once. Oh, <laughs> smoking in stereo? <laughs> it's the Phillips. It's an old uh, oh. Dennis Leary joke. It's the Phillips file on Real Radio 104.1. 
And now the Phillips File presents a game that is not about being right or wrong. Wrong! It's a game that rewards the lucky. Hey, everybody! We're all gonna get late! It's a game where you just have to be close. That's right! You've got that right! The game is closest to the pin! Let's go while we're young! And now, here's your ever-excited host, Jim Phillips! You know, you learn something new every day. My friend Frank took me to task a little bit today. Well, I'm, I'm working on well, I'm working on uh, on a piece of machinery, and there's a big there's a big nut on a bolt, and it's, it was just frozen on there. Yes. So I'm saying, oh, man, how am I going to? Can't get it loose. Can't get it loose. So I'm thinking more leverage. All right. So I take a I take a wrench, right, and I put it around the bolt. Then I take another wrench, and you can kind of lock them together so you have a longer. Handle. So you have more leverage, right? right? Mm-hmm. So I take that and then I start to banging on the on the wrench with a hammer, you know, to get it loose, to get it loose, and finally gets loose, and I get it off. And I'm very proud of the fact that you know, Mister Non Mechanic has actually gotten, as a matter of fact, two of these bolts, these big uh, these big bolts, uh, nuts off, off these bolts. So I said, hey, yeah, it was a really manly man day in the you know garage. He said he would fire anybody if it was his garage that was banging on a wrench with a hammer. Oh, <laughs> wow. Damn. I didn't know. Your father probably knows Fritz. Oh, yeah, I'm sure he does. Ask him. I will. Yeah, ask I'll, him right now. I'll, I mean, I can text him. That's what we yeah, need. Yeah, text him. I mean, is that, I guess that's a, I guess that's a no-no. I mean, I couldn't, I, just the just the wrenches together, I couldn't get enough leverage, so they were jammed, it was jammed, and I just tap, 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 finally, you know, it starts moving, and then I use the leverage to to, to loosen the bolt more, but that's a, that's a, that's a no-no. Did he you say should. why? That's just uh, damn. Well, you just don't you just don't bang on wrenches, I guess. Huh. You break them or damage them or mm-hmm. bang on know. wrenches or bang on nuts or no, bang on mm-hmm. you know bang on the nut because yeah. then you deform the nut. Then you then you the can't wrench get it back on there. Exactly. Yeah. You know the last thing you want to do is round off the nut. Or strip, even I know that strip the threads or something or yeah. other. Yeah. I was very proud of myself, and I was also oh you did not it. do that again. Yeah, you screwed that. Mm. Up. Yeah, all right. Regular round of closest to the pin. Well, I didn't screw it up. I mean, it just, it was a, it was a, I guess a, what mm. would you call it? Not etiquette, but, you know, hey, this is strong. Protocol. Hitching. That's not protocol. protocol. That's not protocol. Very good. Uh-huh. Well, you learned something. A proper That's garage right. protocol. Right. Ask your dad about that. He'd know. I will. Yeah. All right. Text him. Time for uh, that regular round of closest to the pin. I'm playing against Cliff. Uh, Mick is the backup. What's the prize? I have a pair of Fandango passes to see Marvel Studios' Avengers Infinity War at any participating theater date and time of your choice. If you want another chance to win Avengers Infinity War passes, visit realradio.fm keyword Avengers and enter online. Do it. Do it. Do it now. dare you. All right. Hello, Cliff. Hello. How in the heck are you? I am doing fantastic. How are you? I like to think I'm doing the same, but... That stands to be seen, depending right. on your performance here today. Well, well, hopefully I won't let you down. No, I hope not. Uh, this category is called Nick at Night. It comes to us from Brad. Thank you, Brad. Guess the year in which these Jack Nicholson movies were released. All right. All right. You know you're Jack Nicholson? I'm a fan. I don't know how well I'm going to do against Jim on the movies, though. Yeah, well, we'll see. You never know. You never know. Here we go. Positive attitude, sir. Positive attitude. Yep. Fake it till you make it, baby. All right. right. Here we go in three, two, one. It wasn't his first film, but he set the tone as Wilbur Force in The Little Shop of Horrors. 1987. 
Wedged in between Easy Rider and Carnal Knowledge, he did five easy pieces. 1969. Eck, eck, eck. Tim Burton directed Jack as he portrayed President James Dale and Art Land in Mars Attacks. 1993. He was Mr. Popular with Man Trouble, A Few Good Men, and Hoffa, all released in this year. 1997. Under the direction of Mike Nichols, Jack made a horrifying transformation in the presence of white gold Michelle Pfeiffer in Wolf. 2000. Time. All righty, Cliff. We'll put you on hold. I'll write down your time. I can see how the first one's kind of confusing because most people think of the Rick Moranis film. Oh, yeah. Moranis. 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 No, I, I don't think it's Moranis. Rick Moranis, please. No, it's Moranis. <laughs> you got it coming up. And Steve Martin as a dentist. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like Rick Moranis? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, like Ghostbusters. Uh-huh. We're you talking about Moranis. Ghostbusters. Yeah, Ghostbusters. Yeah, bro. My college boyfriend looked just like Rick Moranis. Oh, lucky you. I know. He was adorable. <laughs> Sounds I thought. like I a real know. hot tamale. Yeah, he was, actually. He was cute. Is he the one with the muscles? No, that was Spike. He was different. Spike? Spike. Yeah, His name, name was Steve. never heard that Spike, yeah. The, no. Didn't he live in Montana or something? No, no. That was the Rick Moranis one. He lived in Montana briefly. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Probably ran him out. Yeah. That's where but, I learned you have to plug your car in at night. Why is that? Because all the liquids freeze up up there in Great, oh. in Great Falls, Montana. So how do you plug your car in? Like what? Like to like an outlet? Yeah, and it just warms it up enough to keep the yeah they have heaters stuff flowing. Gotcha. The more you know. I didn't know that. Yeah. Welcome back, Jim. That was a plugging in night in Montana. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like the start mm-hmm. of a novel or a porno. We're getting hot and heavy, and he said that reminds me that I you ought to plug, plug in, in your, your car. Your yeah. car. Mm-hmm. I'll be right back. If and you want to go up to the creek in the morning is all. <laughs> right. All right, what do you got? All right, this is called Nick at Night. It's coming from Brad. Thank you, Brad. Thank you, Brad. Mm-hmm. Uh, guess the year in which these Jack Nicholson movies were released. Oh, uh, okay. And he said, don't embarrass yourself if ever there was a wheelhouse category for you. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. So sure. are you ready? Yeah. All right, here we go in three, two, one. It wasn't his first film, but he set the tone as Wilbur Force in The Little Shop of Horrors. 1967. Wedged in between Easy Rider and Carnal Knowledge, he did five easy pieces. 1974. Eck, eck, eck. Tim Burton directed Jack as he portrayed President James Dale and Art Land. 1988. He was Mr. Popular with Man Trouble, A Few Good Men, and Hoffa, all released in this year. 2000. Under the direction of Mike Nichols, Jack made a horrifying transformation in the presence of white gold Michelle Pfeiffer in Wolf. 1986. Time. I have no oh idea. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Lost my focus. You know, I think this may be the second time we've had a Jack Nicholson category just because he's done so many films. Mm. Thanks, Brad. Mm-hmm. All right, show. You're tired, isn't he? Don't you think? Hey. He's kind of Jack, retired. I don't think he's I think that lousy anything. movie that he had with, uh, with uh, what's his name? Adam Sandler. Now the oh. one with, uh, 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 you know, the guy that's got the freckles. What's his name? Morgan. The Freeman. Breckles. Morgan Freeman. Yeah. That bucket list movie. Oh yeah. Oh, that, that was, horrid. Yeah. That was uh, a horrid movie. You said you didn't like. No, it was terrible. Maybe that's when he quit. 
All right, you ready? Let's sure. score this. I'm not feeling good about this. It wasn't his first film, but he set the tone as Wilberforce in Little Shop of Horrors. Uh, Cliff said... He was thinking of the second one. He said 87. Jim said 67. Jim is closer. It's 1960. No kidding. 60? Yeah. The total budget for the production was reported to be only $30,000. Mm. The more you know. Wedged in between Easy Rider and Carnal Knowledge, he did five easy pieces. Uh, Cliff said. 69. That's the one where he ordered, tries to order the sandwich? That's a stick. Yeah, yeah the, that's a classic, right? With the rye bread or right, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Jim said. 74. It is 1970. Cliff gets the point on that it's all one. all tied up. Tonight. Tied up. That movie was nominated for four Academy Awards and five Golden Globes. Hmm. Ack, ack, ack. Tim Burton directed Jack as he portrayed President James Dale and Art Land. And Mars Attacks. Uh, got a cult following now to a certain degree, I think. I think oh, so. yeah. Cliff said. 93. That's a good guess. And Jim. 88. 1996. Damn, Cliff is man. Closer, this guy's and good. And he takes the lead. Uh-oh. Oh, come on, Jim. Come back, kid. He Here was we go. not confident going into it either. He wasn't or I no, wasn't? He... No, Cliff wasn't. I was, and then I lost my confidence. Yeah, we'll see. It happens. He was Mr. Popular with Man Trouble, A Few Good Men, and Hoffa, all released in this year, Cliff said. 97. And Jim? He went up a little bit. Jim said 2000. I will tell you that it was indeed 1992. Cliff oh gets a point for that Hoffa's one. Hoffa's a great movie. I'm going to lose this round. Oh, you don't know. It was yeah. a three to one. You could get it on the dot, and then you go to time. Mm, oh, boy. happen. Under the direction of Mike Nichols, Jack made a horrifying transformation in the presence of white gold Michelle Pfeiffer in Wolf. Notice the Bruno Mars reference? I got it. Uh-huh. Aha! <laughs> Thanks, Brad. Uh, Cliff said... 2000. And Jim? 86. Somewhere in between. Okay. Ah, okay. Ah. It is 1994. Cliff is actually closer by two years, yeah. and he takes the game. Cliff, oh, you took yeah. me down. Did a great job. Thanks for playing. Closest to the pin. Remember, close only counts in horseshoes, hand grenades, and closest to the pin. Yeah, remember to Cliff. He doesn't get to play ever again, all right? No. Sorry, my mic was on. <laughs> you text your dad about the wrench thing? Yeah, bro. Yeah, he asked, um, like drum, uh, like drumsticks, and then I said no. But the texting service, no, it's like banging on you. You gotta, you put a wrench on a on a uh, nut, bang, right? And bang, it doesn't bang, move, bang. so you start hitting. You know, it's stuck uh, there. It's not moving. You start hitting the wrench with a hammer. Yeah, you never beat on another tool with a hammer. That's what the texting okay, service all right. is pretty well, much good, no, well, I got it loose, but I guess that's a no no. Most of that's bad protocol. I didn't know. Hey, if you got the job done, you know. You should have gotten a breaker like bar, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, breaker bar. Yeah, breaker bar. Mm -hmm. You're clocking out after eight hours. Who cares? You got it the job done. It didn't take you eight hours. Well, I care if it's somebody else's tools, especially. Yeah, well, that's why you always I mean, they're my tools, but still, uh, you know, yeah, I don't want to. Oof. Yeah. Bad form. Someone says the wrench and or hammer could shatter if you're doing that. Oh, that's a problem, too. Okay, all right. Oh, boy. Good enough. Yeah. I understand now. Ne not going to happen again. Right. Never Sorry. happen again, I promise. All right. Learn Hashtag my lesson. never again. I won't make anybody mad. It's the Phillips <laughs> File on Real Radio 104.1. We'll talk with Scott Maxwell in a few minutes. First things first, the news here is Big Daddy. Thank you, Big Jim Weasel. A UK brewing company has brewed a new beer made with wine. Using Chardonnay, the taste is a mix of acidic sour ale with bits of vanilla. Someone please remember this beer to Big Daddy if you find yourself in the United Kingdom. A cop gave a firefighter a cake with sorry I tossed you in frosting. 
The two were wrestling with a patient when the taser accidentally hit the firefighter instead. This taser. Cake makes everything better. Speaking of food, Pizza Hut is giving free pizza for a year to the 78th NFL draft pick. The draft will be third round, 14th pick, which is 3.14. Which is pie in math. Reaching much. Headlines were brought to you by WeAreNotTheBanks.com. And transmission. Looking for a home? Go to WeAreNotTheBanks.com. Why? Because they're not the banks. They also have special loan programs for the self-employed, or maybe you want to finance a mobile home? They can do that as well. Their service is second to none. Go online to WeAreNotTheBanks.com for all your mortgage needs. Coming up next on this Wednesday edition of The Phillips File, a conversation with Scott Maxwell. From the... You are listening to The Phillips File. Real Radio! 104.1 Phillips File for a uh, Wednesday. Every Wednesday at this time we talk with Scott Maxwell, of course. He uh, writes the Taking Names column for the Orlando Sentinel. Had a good column today. He's got a good one for tomorrow, at least something that he's posted on his website. We're going to talk about that. Please welcome Scott Maxwell back to the program. Hello, Mr. Maxwell. Good afternoon, Jim. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. First of all, your column today essentially centers on a story that some uh, reporters with the paper had over the weekend, and this is, uh, I guess, some voucher schools. You know, voucher schools have very, I don't know, sometimes I have the, you know, I can't tell the difference between a voucher school and a charter school. But right. anyway, some of these uh, teachers are being hired that have no education background, no teaching certificate, and are actually uh, convicted felons. They're criminals. What is going on here? Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. So we there are there are two classifications of problems or things that we focused on and uh, or that our our team focused on in the story this past weekend. And basically, it was these were convicted felons, some of whom who absolutely would not be allowed to teach in a public school because they were now not all felonies get you banned from teaching in school, but if you have something to do with you know child abuse or a serious thing, sure. you should not be. Uh, but there's no checks or balances. Uh, so uh, so. Some of these people are getting hired at these charter schools, and in one of the cases, which was uh, that we wrote about, there it was only found out after a woman who had a previous felony uh, was arrested again on a child abuse charge involving a student at that school. And and this is the kind of stuff that exists for two reasons: one, there are not many rules; there are very few rules when it comes to this, these voucher schools, which are funded completely with public resources, uh, sometimes direct tax dollars, other times tax credits. And the other reason is that people just don't check on it. And it's a continuation of, of what you mentioned, what we've been writing about. The series has been called Schools Without Rules because while there are, are – they will bog down public school teachers to the point where you don't get paid uh, if your SAT score that you took as a teacher in high school 30 years ago isn't the right 10 points. These people don't have to have even gone to high school. And you're paying for them to teach at voucher school. I don't understand why. Oh, you can you can explain why because I know you know the reasons for it. Why do polit- Why do Florida politicians yell and scream? It seems about their 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 what they perceive as problems with the public school system. But when things like this come to light, they don't say boo. I no, they don't they say do anything at all. Do they feel guilty? Are they afraid that somebody's going to say, "Hey, bub, you were the one that uh, that gave him the pass in the first place"? 
I'll tell you, Jim. I'll tell you what I think, and it it it, it is not nice, but I just do not think they care. And I will tell you, I'm just going to call a spade a spade right here. Uh, I think they push a lot of these things because there are a lot of profitable uh, institutions that are, are run by their buddies. Hell, we've had uh, voucher and charter schools that are run by legislators' wives or legislators themselves have sat on the boards. Uh, so they are happy to do that. They're happy to demonize the public school system. So they want to help all those things out. But the problems we're talking about, those don't happen at the really the nice schools that are getting the vouchers. They're happening at the poor schools. Right. They're happening at the ones that don't have supervision. A lot of times they're happening at the poor black schools. And I just don't think these legislators give a crap. Uh, because it's not their constituents, it's not their families, they don't have to deal with it. And a lot of times, if it's a, maybe a religious school, uh, right. the people who are going there have a pastor saying, you know, don't pay attention uh, to the fake news. We have God over here, and what we don't have in certification yeah. of teachers or in legitimate curriculum, we make up for with the Book of Job. You know, yeah. don't pay any attention to the secular humanists who would try to tell you that, you know, yeah, it goes on and on and on. Let me switch. And, 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 go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, no, you I go ahead. Say, look, we, we, we find these things on both sides. And uh, we have found there were there was times when there was a bunch of fire safety violations at Orange County schools. Right. And, and the Orlando Sentinel researched it and exposed it and wrote about it. And everybody goes, as you're saying, bat crazy, including legislators. <laughs> yeah. And they scream and they fuss and they fix it. But when we write these stories about voucher schools, everybody, it's a fascinating thing. They get angry at the stories. And I had a voucher uh, principal send me a note today and say, well, you know, you never write about the, the good ones. And I said, well, first of all, bub, that's not the way the news business works. Right. You know, if a plane crashes, we're going to write about it. If it lands safely, it doesn't. But let me tell you the difference between you and the airlines. When we write about a plane crash, the airlines don't come attack us for reporting on the crash. Right. <laughs> or they don't defend the crash. But that's absolutely what the voucher and the charter industry do when there's a, uh, a problem. They either look the other way or they actually defend it. And uh, that should concern you because about a billion of your dollars go in there. So first of all, you can care about it from the finances. And if you don't care about that, there are thousands, tens of thousands of kids who can be losing serious learning through this. Yeah, I, what I understand about the charter school business is, is look, I can understand look where you know parents are dissatisfied with the public school uh, that their kids go to. We're going to set up a different process where they can go to a quasi-private school. Let's call them a charter school. We'll even give, give, them, a, give them a voucher. But the state doesn't care. You know, there are no rules and regulations, it seems, when it comes to the level of educators in these schools. You can you can be a teacher in a charter school without a high school diploma, I no, believe. You, and this is where it gets you. This is where you always yes. get up. The charter school, you have to have a diploma. Okay, all right. Charter, it's, but then there are vouchers. Voucher. Yeah, okay. Yes, uh, you're abs everything you just said is absolutely right. You you could be, you don't have to have had a gra uh, graduated from high school to teach a high school. And we found people, uh, they found a, a principal of a school that was still, that hadn't didn't have any kind of degree. And, and you're right, there's absolutely no rules. And I will tell you, so when we write these stories and we write about maybe a, an accused uh, a child, uh, a pet, uh, a, uh, attacker who's working at a school or or some or these schools that faked up their reports yeah. about child safety or that have no certifications whatsoever you would think they would just say well you know what we're going to do a better job of monitoring that but jim they don't want to monitor it because they know what they're going to find and it's a big stinking pile of hoo-ha <laughs> what do you mean by that exactly yeah, big, i mean there's some i understand what well but they, but there's a lot and they don't want to see it yeah so they look the other way big pile of hoo. let me move on to uh, yeah. i don't know if it's going to be a column but it's on your website 
This has to do again, uh, and in this particular case, it's UCF. And for whatever reason, it seems to me that UCF, maybe more so than other state universities, this kind of thing has been happening out that way. And this is the, um, in this particular case, two ATO fraternity members have been arrested on sexual assault charges related to an off-campus party that this fraternity held. Uh, A woman, young woman, claims that she was, uh, uh, I guess, drugged and raped, sexually assaulted. And, uh, you know, I I make the claim, and I always say this, if uh, because you have something to say about this, but, you know, if you went nowadays, and let's say the fraternity system did not exist at all, and you went to the president of the university and said, you know, I've got this great idea. I'd like you just listen to me for a minute or so and tell me whether you like this or not. I want to uh, I want to be able to have a house that we can segregate um, and, probably, and even segregate on the basis of race, even though we would never admit it. And we're going to have uh, these drunken bacchanals where uh, underage drinking would be uh, looked, uh, you know, we'd look the other way. And in some cases, young women invited to the house for, a, you know, for a party or whatever uh, would be sexually assaulted. Uh, you know, we have uh, parties where the noise level is raised to the point where the police show up every Friday or Saturday night three times. And, you know, just the you know, Mr. Pre- University President, I'd really like your approval on this. <laughs> they wouldn't they wouldn't do it. It just wouldn't happen. This yep, is there. this is such an archaic, in my view, system. Essentially, where people buy their friends. <laughs> what? No, they buy friendship. That. That's what they do. And they so, buy friendship. Uh, and where I came at writing this column is I was in a fraternity back in college. Yeah, of course. It was a wonderful place for me. It was the place I actually met my wife at a hoedown, uh, at, at a mixer. I made lifelong friends. I learned to chug lukewarm past. Pep's Blue Ribbon and and crappy uh, vodka. So when you talk about the value of the Greek system, I should be the guy who is saying, now here's all the reasons it is good, but I'm not that guy. And that is because uh, there is one bad headline after another, and I think a lot of this stuff has outlived its usefulness. However, and so, and one of the things I thought was interesting is, uh, you're right, UCF has been uh, really had a bunch of headlines, and yes. it's not, there's been yes. like there's been like there's been like two gang rape thing, accusations, not just one. Yeah, if not and, more. Uh, and and there's uh and there was a gunplay incident there, and then there was hazing. I I put up a list of four headlines just in the last two years, but it's not just them. FSU just came off a, a, a wicked. They had a death last year of an alcohol poisoning involved in a hazing, where basically the kid died in in, in the middle of a room full of people, uh, most of whom were too drunk to remember what happened to even. To tell investigators what happened, and so the uh, president of that university, John Thrasher, uh, instituted a ban on all uh, Greek life, uh, which he just re- lifted last month. And so, uh, when I was thinking about it this morning, I sent him a note and I said, uh, "You want to talk about Greek life?" And it was like six forty-five, and he boom within three minutes, he says, "Yes, let's talk about it." And so that's what I, I wanted to. I had a discussion with him. And I think we both came through the Greek system, but things things have got to change. And I, I would argue that a system that has always had an air of privilege and entitlement because you can't be part of it unless you have a certain degree of finances has started to bleed over more into criminal activity, uh, that, that people coming – thinking they can get away with something are trying, and it's having increasingly deadly impacts. I will tell you but, – but I'll tell you this. I started today's column wanting to say it's time for them to go away, 
after giving it some thought, I don't think you can do that. I think there are constitution. I mean, you could theoretically well, tell them you can't be on campus, uh, but you can't correct. tell them you can't exist. No, you have the right of free association in this country, right. and if you want to, you know, put, but I think a university can say, you have the right of free association, but we don't have any, but we're not mandated by anything that we have to be connected to you at all, or we can or say, or, or I would imagine say, we can have rules and regulations that dictate you will have nothing to do with, uh, with campus life. You can do whatever you want to off campus, but as far as connected to campus, you think I love about fraternities is they always throw this thing out. Well, look what the good that we're doing for the community. No, no, no. They only well, do that because they're ordered by their parent fraternity. That's when, the only reason they do in, that. When I was back in college, we would have something that was called a charity bash, where we would uh, yeah. raise a, a, a total of a dollar eighty-two for uh, some local uh, as an excuse to drink Kool-Aid and, and, and vodka. Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. That said, Jim. While I freely admit that's what I did, and I, and a lot of them do that, there are decent ones out there, and there are ones that have existed for a century and not gotten in any trouble on UCF campus and on FSU. And I will tell you, there are some, and that was another thing when I went to researching this, that somebody pointed me to, there was a school, Emerson, a few years ago, that raised six, $16,000 for a transgender bro- brother that couldn't have enough money for a sex change operation. Let me tell you, that's not the fraternity I went to uh, back, in, back in school. And so so some of these get painted with this one broad brush that, that, that yeah. that's not fair. And and you know what? The other thing, and I think I heard Mo say this yesterday because I caught the tail end of uh, your thing. There are some sororities who say, "What the hell? Why, why are you why are you talking about banning all Greek life? What did we ever do? Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe we're cliquish, but uh, I think there's a problem. So what you got to do is do uh, have some stricter guidelines. And I will tell you, FSU has a start in my estimation. Uh, one, they've they've got uh, aside from all the training, which I just think is is, is kind of baloney. One of the things they do, they've limited how long the uh, pledges can have to go through pledging. They've uh, limited. Uh, uh, the number of alcohol parties they have, but the most significant one is they have forced uh, them to hire third-party vendors to serve alcohol, which suddenly shifts liability onto a private company. And I got to tell you, that is what is actually going to put the, uh, a fraternity out of business. And to go back to that FSU uh, scandal, you, you and I won't have to, or, or, or John Thrasher won't have to pass something decreeing them. That fraternity we were talking about where that kid died of alcohol poisoning, there are four members in jail right now. And there has also been a lawsuit filed. And that lawsuit is probably just going to end that fraternity. Yeah, I think uh, if 60,000 students at the university, I think if the president of UCF, the coming president at the University of Central Florida stood up and said, guess what? I'm speaking to all 60,000 or plus students here at the University of Central Florida, and we're ending an association with the with the Greek system. I don't think I, I think the vast majority of students at UCF would probably shrug their shoulders and wouldn't give a hoot. You might get a thousand, you know, who are members of fraternities and sororities bitching and complaining, but I don't think it would make it many much difference at all they say well what about the uh, what about the uh the the alumni the mm-hmm. the, the alumni yeah, or alumni, you know, yeah the people the graduated. people the boosters yeah, whatever they, they don't are, care yeah. about that they care about the football program that's where they pour their money into into the athletic program they might pour some money into the fraternity but they're not pouring it through the university you know they say hey we need a you know we need a new air conditioning system and you got some sigma chi uh, people who kick in a couple of thousand dollars i don't think most students would care one way or the other i don't think they care 
I think you are probably right about UCF, but I do not think that UCF is indicative of campuses at general. That was another thing I spent no. time looking at today. And at average, it looks about 30%. And there are schools that have as much as 50 and 70% of their members are fraternity. No. I didn't see any UCF anywhere up on there. Uh, and I also asked uh, Thrasher that question about boosters because I was curious about that. I said, hey, when you did this ban, did you take any heat from your boosters? That's what he, he said. said. He said he did. Really? Uh, I said. I said. Is it people well, who call and say, "Hey, I got. A, I got a building named after me. You got to do, do that." There was one story that said uh, out of the University of Indiana that said, "Well, eighteen uh, percent of our alumni give money. Sixty percent of our Greek members give money." Uh, 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 so I, there, there's that. But but I got to tell you, you just you you can do that. And I, I think you could even crack down. You could even a campus can say we're going to end the affiliation. They're still going to exist. They're just going to be right on Alafaya. Or right, 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 right. Yeah, exactly. Where, you know, well, I mean, that's you know, you, it, at, or university or whatever. Well, you got the right to do that, but I think uh, college or university has the right or should have the privilege of saying you can do whatever you want. But as it relates to anything on campus, sorry, uh, we're not going to, you know, you know. I think we'll allow you in the homecoming about, parade. That's about it. I think I found there was like four small New England campuses uh, that have totally done away with it. And there was one like Wesleyan, I think it was, that did away with it and then brought it back. Uh, because and, and mostly it was because they ended up saying, all right, you had three fraternities that were total you know, douches. We, we get that. But you, you have 12 more that have been here for 100 years and we didn't do anything wrong or sorority. So, well, you know, if I'm going to join a fraternity, I want to be part of the douchiest fraternity. I want to be part of Sigma Nu or Animal House. That's what a fraternity is all about. I mean, let's get down to the nitty gritty. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's not about, well, we want to, to get together so we can study together and have this brotherhood of academics. That's not what it's all about. We know that. So no, I wanted to wake up in a pool of my own vomit most mornings. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I want a, a toga party every quarter and, you know, and drink cheap booze, whatever. All right, quickly, yeah. before I let you go, well, how's, how's the play going, you and your daughter? We Oh, we opened to spectacular reviews. Yeah, oh, did, very nice. Did you get a standing ovation? <laughs> uh-huh. Well, as I told you, there's only 40 people in the theater, so if my wife uh, stands up, it's it's like a standing ovation. Yeah, but that's yes, right. Yes, yes. <laughs> We're we're having high times. I, should I should I save you should I save you a seat, Jim, or inquire about a role for you in the upcoming eighteen nineteen season? Is this By a musical way, or a drama? What is this again? This is a musical. No, well, I don't. I don't do musicals. It's a rap. It's a musical because well, he's. I'm rapper. You're so a rapping you teacher, right? Aren't you the rapping Jim, teacher? Yes, I am. Thank you, Mo. Before you say no, the next show they're doing at this theater is called Keep It Gay. Oh. All right, I might oh. be able. to, Yeah. Well, they're looking for gay icons. <laughs> you know, you never you know. know. All right. Mike, call his name. Send me the script. <laughs> send my absolutely. Send my. I said I'd take you backstage, but we don't have backstage. In fact, <laughs> at Monday night show, it was raining, and uh, when you go backstage at the breakthrough, you have to run by the train tracks, and uh, that, and so you have to pass the little piles of pallets and get wet. But it, yeah. it's all good stuff. That's what we do for the theater. Yeah, send my uh, script to the to my agent. I'm glad the uh, train is yeah. is running by because in instead of throwing cabbages, you can just run out and hop a train, get the hell out of town. I, I will have it to your people immediately. All right, good job. Thank you, All Scott. Right. All right, Thanks, Scott Maxwell writes the Taking Names column for the Orlando Sentinel. A little bit of a break. We'll come back. Shot Doctor's coming in for casting call, followed by the five-minute professor on Real Radio 104.1. To win $1,000 is just minutes away on Real Radio 104.1.
Oh, yeah. Shot Doctor, why don't you call your uh, girlfriend and uh, I'll get a hold of Catherine. We'll double date this weekend and go out uh, club hopping or whatever, do some dancing. Ooh, that sounds First think? of all, I don't have a girlfriend. Second of all, nobody beats down the shot, Doctor. And third of all, I'm not going out. I think That's he's insulted but I, you, but, but, I'm not I, sure. but I appreciate the invitation. Do, you know, some line dancing or yeah, we'll go to a discotheque. Pat, the last time they I went to, those, last I went to a yeah, disco yeah, was yeah. Robocanti's. In Temple Terrace in the mid-1970s when disco was big. Yeah, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Where was that Where located? Robocon- 50, 56th Street in Temple Terrace, right near where, where USF is. Uh, okay. Oh, in Tampa. Uh-huh. Shot Doctor is here for <laughs> Casting Call, where we take a movie, we take a scene from the movie, then we act it out on the air. What was the big uh, show on, a uh, big topic on your show today? NFL Draft and our big NFL Draft party tomorrow. With FM 96.9, the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll be at Kerr's Wing, Aston Altamont Springs on 436. That's Larry's place. We'll do the finish line show 3 to 6. We'll have a special draft show 6 to 10. Yeah. Our draft contest will begin when the guys get there, and we, we kick off the contest at 8 o'clock. All I'll tell you, sold out, isn't it? Sold out. Close. Wow. I, got, I got two more Completely entries today. I sent an e- LT sent me an email saying, Shot Doctor, I think we're maxed out. I said I agree, and that was it. Nice but lady. we also encourage everybody else who wants to come out and hang out. You have some walk-ups. You can... Walk-ups, definitely. A room yeah. for those tomorrow. We had that last year a lot, too. Uh-huh. So we're ready for that. People want to see you. You're going to be uh, the commissioner, right? I am the commissioner of the draft party. Yeah, that's what I thought. So what do you think about Knob uh, Slimtowski from Temple? Think he'd be drafted first round? Uh... You know what? I like him a lot, Jim. He was not a first-round pick. He had, did not have a good junior year. Bounced back as a senior. He'll be a late, he'll probably be a a second day pick, which is a second or third down third round pick. Yeah, the big feller. Uh, six seven, you know, six seven two ninety five. Well, Swatowski's they're big. Uh, uh, yeah, I think his brother paid, played for a while. Comes from a family right. of fullbacks, Jim. With along with the Grabowski, so he's a pretty good player. Yeah, Nob Slabowski. Nob, that's someone's first name. That's his nickname. Mm-hmm. I don't know what his real name. Oh. They all call him Nob. I think oh. his real name is Jeff. Jimmy also was a college teammate. He got hit in the head so many times. He's got this big lump on his forehead, oh, so they call him Knob. Mm, he was nice a college nice. teammate, Jim, with the legendary Bill Earthquake Enyart. Oh, yeah? That's a nickname. Bill Earthquake Enyart, a running back, 6'5", 240. Is he going to be drafted, you think? If he is, it's probably in the, in the seventh round, which is the last round. But Earthquake Enyart, what a nickname that is. I'm telling you. Earthquake's got the ball. And when he hits the ground, it causes earthquakes and tremors. That's why they call him Earthquake Bill, Earthquake, and you're... Well, let's move on to this scene. Here's what we do. As I said, we take a movie, take a scene, and then we act it out in the air. Shot Dr. Pinkman today in this, in this scene. It's, it's short, so uh, there's no room for mistakes here, okay? Mm-hmm. True that. The last time I made a mistake on one of these was three years ago. Nah. <laughs> or last week. All right, is everybody ready? <laughs> I'm always ready. Yeah. Okay, I need I quiet to, on the Jim, set. I live to be ready. You know Doors that. are all closed, quiet on the set. No one else is allowed in. 
All right, we got the lights set as they're supposed to be. We got all the cables set aside. The camera dolly is ready. Everybody's in their place. You know your marks, right? Makeup is perfect. And action. Which building is it, sir? We're confirming that now. Somewhere near the Bakara Market. I don't choose the time or place of their meetings. I didn't say a word, sir. Make no mistake. Once you're in the Bakara Market, you're in an entirely hostile district. Don't underestimate their capabilities. We'll be in friendly neighborhoods before we hit the market. So remember, the rules of engagement. No one fires unless fired upon. Now, let's go get this thing done. Good luck, gentlemen. Cut. My God, I was spirited. That was it? I was aggressive. I wanted more. I was dominant. Mm -hmm. I was a leader. I took charge. They couldn't stop me. Uh. That's a 10, and I want a Jimmy. The well, only issue. You know, I oh, think. he's got something to say. Do you catch something? I didn't catch he anything. Said, did you? Uh, he said, no. so remember the rules of engagement, not so remember the rules of engagement. Yeah, well said. Okay. So remember the rules of engagement. That's what it's I said. Not, no, you, no, Pinkman said you said, so remember the rules of engagement. You hear the difference, right? Yeah, there's no comma there. So re- he's saying, so remember the rules of engagement. No one fires Stop. unless fired upon. What kind of buffoonery is that? It makes a difference. It, it does, does make a difference. Okay. It's a verbal comma that didn't belong there. Here's, yeah. what, I, here's what I would say. But, I mean, you're, if you're listening to this person give the orders, I mean, there is a, there is a difference, isn't there, Mo? Totally. So if you're sitting there, okay. So well. remember. The rules of engagement. And then I'm like, okay, what am I supposed to remember? Now, whatever you say from here on, instead of saying, so remember the rules of engagement. You already know what the rules of engagement are, so remember what they are. That's what you're saying when yeah. you say, so remember the rules of engagement. This is semantics. She's right. No, this she's absolutely semantics. correct. If you said, so remember the rules of engagement, you're going, well, what rules the of rules engagement? rules of engagement are something, something. So remember the rules of engagement. That's it. That's there what I go. said. That's how commanding. defiant I was. That's how commanding I was, Jim. I was like General Douglas MacArthur back in 1941. I don't think that's Agreed. how great I was. What? I was like General Patton in 1946. That's how great I was. I think he was dead by 46. Could have oh, been. Oh, no. Could have been. I will say at the end, I felt very inspired. You see that right there? Mm-hmm. Doctor, do you ever think about joining the armed forces? I never thought about it. After that. your great career at Winter Park High School? As one of the greatest running backs of all time at Winter they Park High School. They still talk about me, Jim, mm-hmm. in terms of Winter Park. It's to this day. I'm just wondering whether, you know, you're a senior. <laughs> say, hey, what do I do with them? Maybe join the Marine Corps or, you know, the Air Force, whatever. I never thought about that. I just went ahead. Never and, thought about it at all. Never thought about that. So I just went ahead and went to USF for, for my four great years. Mm-hmm. As, a, as a great athlete, mm-hmm. as a student, and many, many more. Yeah. I think great things over there, Jim. A lot hey, of controversy Jim. about fraternities uh, lately. Were you a member of a fraternity? Nope. They rejected me. Oh, I'm sorry. I was interviewed by several. You're rushed. Pledged. I was what? You're, you're rushed. Went, you went you through rushed. Yeah. Nobody uh-huh. rushes me. No, you pledged. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, you were you're invited by a fraternity. So they interviewed you? Yeah. I was interviewed. Oh, you were you? Yes. What Jim, do you think happened? Jim, I don't interview well. I don't, I don't come across that well. Even back then? I'm an acquired taste, Jim, so when they interview somebody they don't know and it's me, yeah, off, off the right. get-go, it's like, we don't even need this guy. I think you might be right about Little that. Little did they know what they were missing. Yeah, I agree. Look, sure. look what well, I've that is true. Look what I've become. Look where they are right now. Well, I don't know what they are. Yeah, you I'm showed the, those I'm doctors. I'm on the damn Jim Phillips show. They're not. Bottom line. Oh, boy. I showed them. 
Or you promise me uh, if some lovely ladies show up for the draft party, you'll at least talk to them, at least recognize them? Most definitely. I, I am a good communicator at the party. As a commissioner of the NFL draft party, I talk okay. to everybody. All right, okay. What but time? I mean, they might flirt with you, too, so you have to be aware of that. I'm you okay have to know when that. they're flirting with you. Mm-hmm. You have to flirt back a little bit. doesn't mean you have to be chained and bound, but you have to give them some recognition, some attention. Jim, yeah, I- don't say understood. You know, you have to flirt with them. Here's how you do that, Jim. They walk up to me and they say something. You know what I say to them? They say, all right, uh, uh, all right I'm let's, one let's of the practice. lovely ladies. Let's practice. Oh, you're, you're the shot doctor? I love your program. I listen to you. You have the sexiest voice. Young lady, good evening. It is good to see oh, you again. Sounds like you're barking at them. I thought maybe after the draft party tonight, maybe we, you know, could chat can a we, little. Can we take you out for a drink? Young lady, you trying to induce me? No, seduce you. No, I... She could be trying to induce him. Yeah, you don't know, Mo. All right. Yeah, sorry. maybe he's going into labor. Mm. Maybe drink. Maybe go out dancing a little bit. You know, I'd just like to see you. you know, young lady, I don't I... Young lady, I don't dance. Do you have any more questions? It's almost bedtime. Can I have your... How about your telephone number? Can I have your telephone number? I'd really like to get a hold of you. And I don't want your business telephone number. I want your home phone number. Young lady, Cell phone young number. lady I do not give out my phone number. Check the yellow pages. Nobody knows what the yellow pages are. <laughs> yes, they do. That's I, hot. I still have a phone book. Of course you do. You're like the one Sunday, person. Someday he is going to be knocked. He's going to be bowled over. The right woman's going to come up, and he is. He won't know what to do with himself. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, lucky Jim, you. Jim, nobody bowls over the shot doctor. I am unbowlable. <laughs> they can't bowl me over because they can't stop me. Do you have somebody for him, Mo? I thought I did, but not after hearing that. <laughs> they backed out. Yeah. I showed them. Yeah, they heard one of the casting calls, and they said, like, ah! I changed my mind. They heard that voice. You know what they said? Yeah, what they said? They were, they were overcome with emotion, Jim. <laughs> yeah. I stopped them. You did. Yeah. I <laughs> stopped them did. dead in their tracks, Jim. I showed them. What's for dinner tonight, and then I'll let you go. Turkey wrap, salad with Thousand Island dressing, Granny Smith apple. Nice. Very good. Excellent. How about nice a cookie? Dresses. You ever have a cookie? Not tonight. Oh, you, you ration your cookies different days? It depends. I'm not in a cookie mood tonight. Okay. You already well, know you're not going to be in a cookie mood? Yes. yes. How do you prepare in a cookie mood for now, for later? Mental intuition. Oh. Mm-hmm. All right, Shot. Have uh, good luck with the draft party. We wish you all the best, and thanks for stopping by. Jim, I'll so see you fun. next week. You got it, Shot. Dr. Phillips File on Real Radio 104.1. From the- it's time to rise above the fudge jokes and hemorrhoid humor. Even if only for a few fleeting moments. And actually learn something. This is the five-minute professor. Time for the five-minute professor. We'll get a seven- or eight-minute lecture, then a pop quiz. Greetings and salutations, professor. And to you, Mr. Phillips, and the file, a pleasure being with you, as always. Nice phone connection this afternoon. Hey, doing what we can. <laughs> <laughs> we we've we've gone down the road yeah. of the call center. We said I need the best arrangement you have. And That's uh, right. So I like that. Here's a closet. Only <laughs> <laughs> only the best will do. Uh-huh. All right. What do you only got for us? The best. I don't want to waste I, any time. What do we got? Coming up this weekend. Yes. Uh, April twenty eighth will mark the fifty first anniversary of Muhammad Ali. Uh, being uh, escorted uh, out of the Houston Recruitment Center mm. where he refused to step forward when his name was called. The draft, yeah. The draft. Uh, the story of the draft is interesting. The comments which he made are fascinating. And uh, it prompted me to do some research on Mr. Cassius 
Marcellus Clay Jr. Mm. I think you will learn something. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was born in Louisville, Kentucky in January of 1942. He took up boxing relatively early, but unlike a lot of people who took up boxing, he didn't take it because he was a troubled youth. Because his bike was stolen. He took, I'm giving you points, he took nice it because the points. cops told him he'd have to take up boxing if he was going to go and find the kid that stole his bike. Mm-hmm. He took it up at age 12. He won six Kentucky Golden, Glo- uh, Golden Gloves, two AAU national titles, and had a career 105 amateur record. 100 wins, five losses as an amateur, including the gold medal at the 1960 Olympics as a light heavyweight he was 18 years old yep. he was good at boxing he was really good he was a boxer he wasn't a fighter he was a boxer then he turned pro and in the next three years he was 19 and oh with 15 wins by knockout so what is 19- that yeah go ahead Sorry. go ahead no go ahead in 1964 22 year old cassius clay beat the world champion Sonny Liston. Sonny Liston. Sonny wouldn't come out of his corner. Why? Would not come out of it. He wouldn't come out of it because he was scared he was going to get the tar knocked out of him. Oh, you know, he knew what was happening. The great Angelo Dundee was uh, was uh, Muhammad Ali's trainer at the time. After that championship, yes. Muhammad Ali made public the fact that he had converted to Islam. Right. He changed his name to... Wait, from Cassius Clay to mm. Muhammad Ali. To, to Cassius X. He did? Mm. His name was changed oh, I see. by Elijah Muhammad. Mm. Elijah Muhammad gave him a new name. The leader of the Nation of Islam gave him the new name, Muhammad Ali. The Nation of Islam would not take him as a member until he was the world champion. They rejected his request to join the Nation of Islam because he was a fighter. But once he was a world champion, he said, I guess it'll be okay. Ali said that he gave up Cassius Clay because it was his slave name. Right. That was a lot of the, the talk, the hyperbole of what was the Nation of Islam. Here's a fact about the name Cassius Marcellus Clay, the man for whom Cassius Clay's father was named mm-hmm. was a noted abolitionist in the Louisville area in the 1850s before the U.S. Civil War. Hmm. Cassius Clay was anything but a slave name. It was the name of an abolitionist. Well, yeah. uh, Ali was wrong. Yeah, he was wrong. You know, people, it, it, it's a lot easier for me to research this than it would have been for him. You know, right. Cassius Clay's an American icon. There's no question about that. Uh, and, and and proved to be, for the most part, uh, an American that America's loved. I mean, they just, they sulk his heart. Uh, they sh- But, you know, when, when and I, I remember distinctly when Cassius Clay, uh, t- you know, uh, renounced the name and became Muhammad Ali in the nation of Islam. Now... Outside of the, of of Black America, he was not beloved. He is no, now. He was not. He was not he, beloved. Well, here's here's the only sports person who recognized his new name was uh, Howard Cosell. Uh-huh. Yeah. Only Howard Cosell recognized his name. But I think that was smart of Howard Cosell because Ali really was 
the greatest. Well, symbiotic relationship. Howard, uh, you know, made his mark off of Muhammad Ali, and Muhammad Ali used Howard Cosell to further his career as well. No question about it. He absolutely did. Now, as smart as Muhammad Ali was, as brilliant as he was in the ring, and in fact, many people believe he was probably the best fighter you know, they, they make the pound-for-pound uh, pound pound argument about Sugar Ray yeah. uh, Robinson. But the reality is that as a, as a fighter, Ali was smarter about the things which he did. He used deception that a lot of boxing analysts describe as genius. That he would look tired to lull you just so he could beat the tar out of you. Mm-hmm. Ah. But he was not well-educated, and he wasn't much of a reader. In fact, the reason that he didn't get drafted until he was 25 was because he had scored so poorly on the test that you had to take. Now, to be fair, a Nation of Islam strategy in the early 1960s was to go in and do badly on this test. Yeah, he wasn't that stupid. Was a strategy. Yeah, it wasn't stupid. He was just poorly educated. I think he was poorly educated, but... In Might have had a learning disability. They lowered the standard yeah. for who they would admit to the 15th percentile. I know. That's when they tried to draft me. <laughs> what a coincidence. <laughs> uh, the 1967 draft requirements are lowered to take on all but the most poorest scorers on this test. Uh-huh. And at the time, Ali was world champion. Yeah. And he went in and declared himself a conscientious objector. And he was denied conscientious objector status. He was found guilty of draft evasion. He was sentenced to five years in prison and fined $10,000. Yeah, they stripped and him he, of his titles. They stripped him of his ability to uh, box for a living. Right. And, uh, and, but he was, he, that's how strong he was. He said, you know, he said I, that he doesn't have a problem with anybody with, uh, in, in Vietnam. You know, and he said, I'm not going to engage in this kind of stuff at that time. And people don't understand this. At that time, that was that was heresy for when, mostly white America. That was heresy when, to do something like say something like that. When you talk about wanting sports figures to put their money where their mouth is, yes. No one, except for maybe Colin Kaepernick, and Colin Kaepernick didn't mean to. Muhammad Ali meant to. He did it, and he knew it. the consequences. Yeah. He absolutely knew the consequences. He missed four years mm-hmm. of boxing at what was absolutely his prime. No question 25 about 25 to 29 years old. It was eventually appealed all the way to the United States Supreme Court. And in 1971, the Supreme Court ruled 8-0 to zero that he, he, they overturned his conviction. 8-0. to zero. The only person who did not vote was Thurgood Marshall. Mm-hmm. Thurgood Marshall's defense of abstaining was that he had been Solicitor General back in 1967. So he technically represented the U.S. in the initial case. But that's crap. Uh, he, he abstained because he was the only black member of the Supreme Court. All right. Hold that thought right there. Five minute, Professor. Maybe a little bit more information on Cassius Clay slash Muhammad Ali. Then the test on Real Radio 104.1. There we go. There's the teletype. What does that mean? It's time for the news. Here's Big Daddy. Thank you, Big Jim Weasel. 
an Ohio woman was jailed for using someone else's urine for a drug test. She worried she would test positive for illegal substances so she used her friend's pee but that also tested positive. The company you keep children. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have announced a parrot will announce one of their NFL draft picks. Jesus Christ. How desperate is this league to generate clicks and interest? Speaking of animals, the British Veterinary Association is tell pet owners their beloveds cannot catch autism from vaccines. Apparently the crazy anti-vax movement is spreading to pets. Please unplug me. Headlines were brought to you by the free iHeartRadio app. Download it now in your app store and take the Philips file with you wherever you go. End transmission. Call now for person, place, or thing. 407-916-1041. Let's get back to the five-minute professor, of course. Uh, we've had a short lecture on Cassius Clay, Cassius Clay, then Muhammad Ali, of course. And maybe another minute on this, then we'll have a quiz. What else, Professor? All right. A couple more facts. Yeah. And uh, these are some things I found interesting. Uh, by 1971, Muhammad Ali was already on his second of four wives. And actually, he got married five times. But one of them was illegal. He was already married. He couldn't get married again, but he did. Mm. This is when he was married to his second wife. Uh, the woman that he married that time, when he was 32 years old, was 16. They don't talk about that a lot. Uh, he had seven daughters and two sons. Wow. He, he has the only star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame that's mounted horizontally. Or vertically, excuse me. It's, it's mounted vertically. It, Why? It's not... You can't walk on it because his name was Muhammad Ali, and you cannot walk on the name of Muhammad. Uh, okay. Gotcha. I understand. I mean, that, that's a real honest-to-goodness thing. Um, and uh, I know we don't have time for it, so I will tell you what. If uh, afterwards I'm going to post a Facebook Live on my Facebook page at 5-Minute Professor, and it's going to explain why... Although most of America eventually grew to respect and genuinely like Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier grew to hate him with a white, hot, fiery passion. Yeah. Uh, we'll those talk great, about that. Those were great fights, by the way. Those were great fights. The last one, they almost killed one of them. Both of them almost died. I mean, literally, not just figuratively. Both of them almost died in that fight. It was also super hot. Yeah. That right. was super duper hot. The killer, the chilla, the thriller. In Manila. Gorilla in Manila. All right, All right let's right, go. Here we are. Come on. Question number one. Yeah. Muhammad Ali, in, in spite of following Sunni Islam, because he left the Nation of Islam and then uh, took up Sunni Islam, was able to secure the release of U.S. hostages from the dictator of what Shia Islam country in 1990? Uh, Fritz? Mr. Fritz. Iran? Not Iran. Jim? Mr. Iraq? Iraq is absolutely correct. Right. He negotiated good. with Saddam Hussein nice. for the release of hostages. Right. Which nearly 50-year-old singer and DJ served in the United States Marine Corps in Iraq during the Persian Gulf War? His hits include Angel, It Wasn't Me, Fritz. Mr. Fritz. Shaggy. And Boombastic. That is absolutely <laughs> correct. Nicely done. Boom again with another answer. Smart. Come on, Pinkman. Let's get on this. He's smarter DJ today. Shaggy, <laughs> the DJ Shaggy was actually named for Velma and Daphne's friend, Shaggy. Yeah. What year did Scooby-Doo, Where yeah. Are You, premiere on television? Jim, let me just start. I'll say 19... 
1970. Before 1970. 69. Moira. <laughs> you just wanted to say 69. No, I didn't. <laughs> bro. Is that right? That's absolutely correct. Oh, there you go. Nice. Oh, yeah, bro. In 1969, what X-rated film won for Best Picture at the Oscars? That's Jim. That's uh, the Marlon Brando movie. What was it? The one with the stick of butter. Oh, Last Tango in Paris. Last Tango in Paris. It is not Last Tango. Oh, no kidding! Good, oh my God! I just pulled an Eddie the Shaman. Uh, Fritz. In 1969, what X-rated film won for Best Picture at the oh, Oscars? Oh, Moira. Moira. Oh, sorry. Go no, ahead. Go ahead. Clockwork uh, Orange. Go for it. Not a Clockwork oh, Orange. Damn, Fritz. That's a good guess, Mr. Uh, Fritz. Uh, Caligula? Caligula? Caligula. Not Caligula. Come on! We don't know. Jack. Wait. Oh, Mr. Jack Bradshaw. has a guess, yeah. You're looking it up. Don't look no, it up. I'm not You're looking, looking it up. up I see you looking over there. He's not. Take it unclean. I didn't it? look it up, Daddy O. What is it? Apocalypse it is Now. Cowboy. No, that oh, one. that was X rated? X rated film. Yeah, so, yeah it, it featured explicit drug use. Oh, yeah, that's really. Prostitution. Nerds. Both Dustin Hoffman and John Voight were nominated for Best Actor for Midnight Cowboy, but neither won. Who won an Oscar first, Dustin Hoffman or John Voight? John Voight. You're going to jump right in there. You're confident on this. Yes, I am. Do you want to reconsider? No. You are correct. John Voight won for The Champ in 1979. Hoffman did not win until 1980. For Kramer versus Kramer. John Voigt is Angelina Jolie's father. John Voigt was married for a total of 14 years to two different women. How many years total has Angelina been married to three men? Jim. Mr. Phillips. Four. More than four years. Oira. Yes. Seven. More than seven years. Uh, Fritz. Uh, Mr. Let's Fritz. go with 11. Fewer than 11 Jack. years. Jack Bradshaw. Nine. Nine is absolutely <laughs> Mr. Bradshaw. The Nines was an art film made in the year 2007. Before which star was a big name star playing heroes like Green Lantern, Turbo, or Deadpool? Who's the actor who started Pinkman. the... Mr. Pinkman. Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds is absolutely correct. I see. He looked that one up. What? Reynolds Rap. Reynolds Rap was, was originally used as foil liners. Yeah. For what type of product? Chewing gum, frozen food, MREs, pharmaceutical, or tobacco? Jim. Mr. Phillips. Right on a limb here. Reynolds tobacco. Was originally used as a tobacco. For tobacco. Tobacco is correct. I didn't know that. Keep it fresh. The bro. Reynolds that founded the Reynolds uh, oh, Reynolds Rat R- Company. R.J. Reynolds, yeah. Is related to R.J. Reynolds. It was a cousin of the Reynolds Tobacco Company. Mm. Which of these plants is not... Related to tobacco, belladonna, chili peppers, eggplant, orchid, potato, petunia, tomato. Which one is not related <laughs> to tobacco? Uh, Sorry, Fritz. Mr. Fritz. You said uh, nightshade? No. No. Said no. I did not. What was the first one? Belladonna? Belladonna. That one. Belladonna is deadly nightshade, and that is one of the nightshades, just like tobacco. That uh, is no, no, that's Jim. That's, that's, uh, no, that's tomato. The tomato is also a nightshade. Yeah. Pink man. Chili peppers, eggplant, orchid, potato, petunia. Pink Mr. man. Pink man. Chili peppers. Chili peppers are also related Flame. to the Come on, Mo. Family. Bring it home, Mo. What plant? Orchid, potato, petunia. Mr. Bradshaw's not going to guess on this Jack. One? Mr. Bradshaw. Potatoes, Daniel. 
potatoes are also related what? to tobacco. Is it eggplant, orchid, or petunia? Come on, Mo. Come on. Eggplant, we need orchid, this point. or petunia. Petunia. Eggplant, uh, orchid, or petunia. Which one is not related to tobacco? Petunia. Petunias are related to tobacco. Damn they are nightshades. So is the eggplant. Orchids, however, are uh, not. Orchids. Ah, orchids. Okay, come on. What archipelagic country, mm-hmm. made up of 7,641 islands, is home to 900 Jim. unique species of orchid, Mr. Phillips? Uh, uh, question again. <laughs> what country? Uh, which, yeah. What ar- archipelagic country? Uh, Jim, that's the Philippines. That is the Philippines. Damn! Safety note, important safety note. The Philippines is spelled with one L, two P's. Oh, is that so? One L, two P's. Tremendous. What live sporting event was the first pay-per-view and the Jim. first live original content on uh, HBO in 1975? That's boxing. Boxing. The Thriller in Manila. I will accept that answer, the Thriller in Manila, which was... Just so we're all on the same page, actually in Quezon City, which is not Manila. I saw it at the, the Eddie Graham suburb. Sports Stadium. Mm-hmm. It is the, it's the suburb to the northeast. Stoned out of my mind. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> correct. And it was super hot when they fought. Just like unbelievably hot. They, I think someone estimated that on the canvas, it was 115 degrees. Oh, it was a great wow. fight. Yeah. All right. All right. I think that, we did that okay. Was a very good score. Nicely done. Uh, let's see. That's uh, oh goodness gracious. Oh my Lanta. Eighty-six. Oh come on. That's almost bonus points. That's a stink bomb score. That's all right. You you completely yes. missed the question. Bees get degrees for one of the questions. So even with all those, <sighs> whatever. <laughs> nice job, one and all. Make sure you check out the uh, five, uh, five Minute Professor Facebook page where I'll post a uh, Facebook Live about why Joe Frazier so badly hated Muhammad Ali and Ooh. and didn't always hate him. In fact, Joe Frazier supported him yeah. when he was uh, not able to box. That's true. He supported him financially. Uh, and then they fought, and then he hated him right. a lot. Quickly, one minute, where are you going to be? I am going to be uh, tomorrow night at the Silly Grape in Maitland. Yeah. Uh, check that out on Facebook. Uh, also, uh, on Saturday, we'll be at Waco Taco. That's attached to the Hourglass Brewery. And on Tuesday, like I am every single Tuesday night, post-time lounge and cafe where we have half-priced pizzas on Tuesday nights. Mm, sounds good. All right, Professor, we'll leave it up to you for next thir- uh, next Wednesday. We appreciate it. Good job. I look forward to every second of it. Thank you very much. We've got a five-minute professor on Real Radio 104.1. Moving right along, let's get the King's Food Host music going. Uh-huh. <laughs> Hello, ladies. Yeah. All right, time for person, place, or thing. And, Mr. Fritz, what's the prize for PPT? I have a pair of tickets to see Lewis Black, the Jokes on Us tour at the Dr. Phillips Center on Saturday, right. October 6th. Tickets on sale now at the Dr. Phillips box office or online at drphillipscenter.org. There we go. All right, Pat, you're first up. Pat, pick a person, a place, or a thing. Local place. Let's go for a place. Thanks to Brad for the category. Thank you, Brad. Brad. Clue number one, what is this place? This place has a humid subtropical climate 
though it has never it has never seen snow in the winter months. One more time, this place has a humid subtropical climate, though it has never seen snow in the winter months. I'll give you a clue. Give you a clue. Okay. It's north of the equator. Uh-huh. Oh, that's it? <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> it's in North America. Hawaii. Hawaii. Oh, that's your final answer? Yeah, that's it. No, it's not it. Moving right along. Here is James. Clue number two, James. This place, not called Washington, was named after an American Revolutionary War hero. I did not know that. James. The equator. Um, this place. Yeah, it's not called Washington. This place, not called Washington, was named after an American Revolutionary War hero. Uh, I don't know. I'll give you a clue. It's in the United States. It's a city in the United States. Just pick a city. Any city. Yeah. Uh, Arlington. Arlington. That's your final answer. That's not Arlington, but at least you try. That's what's important, sir. Yeah, bro. That's your try. (laughs) We learn through our failures. We become better people. At least that's what they say. I don't know if I... Completely buy into it. Mm. John, here we go. Clue number three. Yes, sir. With a population over half a million, this capital is the second largest city in its state. Hmm. Don't look it up. Your time's running up. No, no. I'm in the car. All right, baby. Here we go. Okay. All right. All right, then. Population of over half a million. This capital is the second largest city in its state. Oh. Give you another clue. It's east of the Mississippi. All right, let's think about this. Um, I don't have to think about it at all because I have the answer. You see it right in front of you, silly. I do. Mm -hmm. All right. um, Come on, Mo. What do you think? That's your final answer. All right, bud. Got to move on. That's the way it works around here. Running out of time. All right. Time for the... Giveaway. Topher. The Topher right. Topher or different Topher? This is not, not the Topher that worked with you guys. Okay. All right, Topher, number two. <laughs> Here you go. This is a giveaway. Okay. Should right. be. Well, it is. Its skyline features the Parthenon, Nissan Stadium, and Vanderbilt University. Oh, yeah. I knew. Oh, Par- the Parthenon, <laughs> Nissan Stadium, and Vanderbilt University. I'm not going to give you a lot of time. I don't want you looking yeah. it up. Jackson, Mississippi. Jackson, Mississippi. That's your final answer. That's no, not Jackson. Now, Did anybody get it on the texting service? We'll find out. Here's Matt. Clue number five, Matt. Oh. Just hold on. Oh, boy. Don't yeah. jump to any conclusions. Clue yeah. number five. Oh, this music city yeah. is home to the Grand Ole Opry, the Predators, and the Johnny Cash Museum. That would be Nashville, Tennessee, sir. That's your final answer? That is. Yeah, baby. Yeah, Nashville, Tennessee. Oh, yeah. There you go. All right. Never been. Oh, it's, it's fantastic. I was there in February for a family wedding. Gigantic building uh, boom in Nashville. You don't say. I do say. Why is that? Uh, because it's a nice city, and it's not okay. because of country music, per se, or any music. It's just... People have, are attracted to it. There's an old saying, Pinkman. They don't make land anymore. 
That's an old saying? I think that's in the Bible. Where is that that saying, Fritz? I never heard that saying. It's Leviticus. I see. They don't make land anymore. That's Uh, why they're building. So saith the Lord. (laughs) Okay. And peace be with you. Thank you, Fritz. Nobody ever said that. What? I've heard that plenty of times. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm going to look it up. You buy real estate. Real They're not estate. making any new land. Yeah. I, I got friends now telling me, asking me questions about throwing. Don't buy throwing, gold yet. No. Do they have, can they throw out their Costco lettuce? Should they throw out their Costco lettuce? That's no. Good, well, the answer is no. Why? First of all, it's from Arizona. It's not from Arizona. Second of all, if you tr- bought it like a week ago and, and you come with six heads in the bag is it and romaine? you have two left, it's romaine. I, would, I, I'm not I ate tr- it today I'm not for salad. It, it was oh fine. Oh, my God. You'll be out tomorrow. Will your husband eat it? <laughs> well, you know, he's got a very sensitive side. I know. But he, <laughs> but he also knows. I know your no, husband enough from what you've out. said. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Have, you know. He knows that there's a romaine lettuce he's, E. coli know, problem he's in the over United the moon States. Cuckoo head about stuff. That's what you know. He even throws out unopened cans, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> See, it's like over the top cuckoo head would throw out stuff. They, they, so no. How many times do I have to tell you they put that on there so you'll buy a new can of chickpeas yeah, or you, whatever it is? You yep. can't worry about that. I have two heads of lettuce left, and I'm not throwing it out. So oh there. My God. I'm and, simply asking: Has your husband said I'm not eating that damn lettuce? Because it's romaine, well, it's, and it, I don't care where it came from, came I'm not home, eating romaine lettuce. He came home today, and I made a salad for myself and my Tupperware, but I thought, well, I'll be a nice person, a nice wife. I'll make him a salad also with chicken, and I made him a salad, and what I said, say? sit down and have your lunch. Yeah. And he did. He ate the whole thing. Has he not seen the news? He doesn't know about the romaine lettuce. <laughs> he, he has no idea. Problem. Oh, my God. This I, guy throws away canned food, and you're telling me he's going to eat lettuce even though he knows about the recall? He uh, sat there, and first he said, I think I have to go blow leaves off the walkway. Yeah, you're going to be said, blowing something pretty no, soon. No, I, <laughs> I said, sit down and eat your lunch first. And then he didn't say a word about it, ate that whole thing. He doesn't and, know anything about the, he doesn't know anything about the romaine he lettuce. He does, because I asked him, should we throw this out? And he said, no. Yesterday, because you guys gave me such a hard time about eating yesterday lettuce. Yeah, but did you ask him why you should maybe throw it out, or did you just say, should we throw this out? He goes, ah, it's not slimy yet. It's fine. It's good. No, it's fine. So he still doesn't know. It's totally fine. And my girlfriend just wrote me and said, should I throw it out? My husband heard you talking about it. Tell like, her yes. No, it's fine. Look Tell on her. the Make wow. sure it's not from Arizona. If it's from Arizona, the you got to get rid of it. Costco lettuce isn't. It's from California. I don't know where they're getting the romance. It says on the bag. <laughs> It says on the bag that it's from California. <laughs> you don't know that. It says it on the bag. It's close enough to Arizona. Yeah. <laughs> a rogue wind could blow E. coli. Yeah, sure. Exactly. It's the company you yeah. keep, Mo. Oh, my God. Well, anyway, so I told my friend to eat it. It's fine. It could be a company employee. You know, they got to, they, you know. <laughs> they don't wash their hands and get E. coli. Exactly. Before you know it, they're transferred to Bakersfield and everybody's got dysentery. Oh, boy. Let's get out of here. Good job today. Thank you, everyone. Great show. We'll do it again tomorrow. Thursday edition of the Phillips File gets underway at 3. That's right after Sean. He's the news junkie with Sabrina and Sealing. They follow the monsters in the morning. Tom and Dan are next. Tonight, eat dessert first. Grin like a dog. Wonder aimlessly. Pound your conk as often as you can. Buy your books with cash and eat some ants. Bye-bye and take care.
chance to win $1,000 is just minutes away on Real Radio 104.1.